Welcome to Saucer Cinema, the podcast about UFOs, aliens, and otherworldly phenomena in film, TV, and other media. I'm your host, Alex. On this week's episode, I'm joined once again by John Ferrer to talk about 1993's Super Mario Brothers, directed by Annabelle Jenkel and Rocky Morton. everybody welcome back to saucer cinema it's a me alex <laughs> sorry <laughs> and, uh, and and john ferrer returning once again um uh we're gonna be talking about a movie i don't really uh think is what most people uh think about when they think about this podcast but uh definitely it qualifies yeah so super mario brothers from 1993 directed by the husband and wife duo of uh, their names are Annabelle Jenkel and Rocky Morton. Yeah, Annabelle Jenkel and Rocky Morton. So, do you know uh, what what else they've done? So, um, those two are most famous for creating Max Headroom, uh, and uh, they did a lot of uh, music videos, like pretty big ones, like for Elvis Costello and Talking Heads. Oh, okay. Um, and this was their second. Uh, well, like Max Headroom was like kind of a movie that got kind of cut up for TV. Gotcha. Um, but this was their second like regular movie after uh doa the the noir remake with dennis quaid and meg ryan mm-hmm. mm. they did that mm-hmm. and so this was this was this this was their second movie uh and and yeah well there's 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 a lot of production history on this so they were um not necessarily at the very beginning of the line on this um, and they weren't at the end of the line on it, but they're the credited directors and kind of the closest thing it's got to um, <laughs> a, fi- a figurehead, I guess. Yeah, yeah, a, a, a guiding vision. <laughs> as much, right. Oh, oh, yeah, as close as you can get, it, like you said. Exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this movie, infamously, uh, was I, th- I believe, it was the first live-action adaptation of a video game. I believe. Yeah, this was the first. Um, the first like movie movie based on a, on a video game. There had been like um, some animated stuff, obviously. I think there was a Japanese cartoon movie. Exactly. Yeah. There, there, there were, there were a few, few different variations on ways to do, to adapt video games. So it wasn't completely unheard of, but it was totally unheard of as like a major theatrical motion picture kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I remember it coming out uh, pretty clearly. I mean, I was, it was the same summer as Jurassic Park. We're we're about the same age, so yeah, I think we would have kind of seen the exact same hype and been the target audience. Oh yeah, I, I would I would have been nine, I think, when this came out. Yeah, yeah. What year you were born? Eighty four. Oh, eighty four. I mean, I'm eighty two, so you're so slightly younger. But yeah, you're about the same age as my brother. So yeah, and 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 that may be. <laughs> it's one of those things where a, a couple of years makes a big difference in terms of how people probably remember this movie, mm-hmm. um, because I think. Being nine, you're going to 
people will have to take everything I say about this movie with a grain of salt because for me personally, it was very exciting to see this movie kind of hyped up as, as you know, Mario's coming to the real world and to go see it. My mom, I I should say I dragged my mom to go see it since I was was (laughs) nine and she definitely wasn't interested in going to see this. Yeah. Um, I think everybody pretty much dragged their moms. uh, Yeah. (laughs) to this but the most of their reaction was that people kind of had an idea of what they wanted a mario movie to be and a lot of kids i think this was a lot of kids like first big disappointment where they were just like i think maybe life isn't all that i thought it was going to be cracked up to be (laughs) (laughs) yeah But, but i loved it and um and so everything that i you know go going forward everything that I say needs to be tempered by the fact that I can't be completely objective about a movie that I was really excited about seeing when I was nine. But oh yeah. I, I, I love it. And I've got a lot of notes about why everyone else is wrong about it. <laughs> I'm definitely interested in hearing what you got to say about it. Cause like I, uh, I rewatched this a few days ago. I got a, a cheap DVD copy. What, what film library is complete without Super Mario Brothers 1993? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, it's always, I've always been, I mean, I remember, I didn't see it, I did not see it theatrically. I saw it when it came, right right when it came out on video. Mm-hmm. Um, which is weird, because I usually saw movies like this, but I don't remember why I didn't go see it. I mean, I wanted to, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I think it was one of those where, like, as soon as it hit, there was kind of a campaign against it, including, I think, probably kind of a... Uh, schoolyard campaign (laughs) you know i think there was some excitement for it but i think there was also some uh this isn't mario kind of feeling right out of the gate and and that was also an era where like the critical response was a much bigger uh deal so when Mm -hmm. it landed so poorly with critics i think the message got out pretty quickly of 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 don't go to this yeah because it it was a notorious like uh disappointment at the box office it was a pretty big flop yeah all said and done it's it's one of those like i mean we we still see that with superhero movies and stuff people you know like shazam the the shazam sequel just came out um which i couldn't be less interested in but it made a you know a lot of money and and it kind of gets fit into this if you're not a massive success then you're a huge failure Mm -hmm. um so it, you know, Mario didn't make its money money back at all. It was a really expensive production, but it wasn't like somebody um, lost their shirts over it. Like it just, it didn't make back its money. Yeah, um, yeah. It's still, you know, a lot of people saw it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I recall, I don't remember too much of the. I just remember it kind of came and went pretty quickly because it just didn't do as well as they hoped it would. For sure. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I saw. So it wasn't until it came out on video I got to see it. And I remember liking it as a kid, like, oh, this is cool. You know, the effects were cool at the time, you know, all these, uh, and like the dinosaur angle is fun. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's one of the weird things about this movie. I kind of wanted to get into because like, um, so, di- so, you know, the games, obviously they're the, 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 at least the original games, the stories are very simple. Bar- there's like barely a story. It's just, right. You're a, you're a little plumber guy going around this fantasy world jumping and eating mushrooms and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. I mean, I, I love, you know, I love those games. For sure. Mario's like the Mickey Mouse of gaming. Everybody knows who Mario is. Yeah. I mean, like you were saying, I mean, it's, it's the first video game movie. So there's, it's, it's interesting just, you know, the, 
the visual language for what that means hadn't really been established and, and really took a long time. I mean, the, the journey of video game movies being something kind of normal is sort of still in progress. Um, yeah. And it's a little odd in a way to even put this on the, like it, it, you can find this on a list with, you know, something like uncharted, which doesn't make a lot of, or even like something like the last of us. Uh, there's a huge difference between what these guys had to do and what the guys with the last of us had to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's, there's nothing like, there's nothing, there's nothing there. So I think yeah. sometimes people were a little hard on the plot because it was, uh, you know, they had basically had to invent it whole cloth and, and it's mo- really more like something like clue, like something like based, like based on yeah. a property that everybody knows the property, but only because of like these little signifiers. So yeah. it's like the job wasn't really to, to translate it to a movie. The job was to create a brand new movie that incorporated plumbers and dinosaurs and pipes and jumping. Yes. Like it, <laughs> just take this list of random keywords and make sure that they show up in the movie. Um, yeah, which I think is what's kind of charming about it because it, it's it's got this really bizarre creativity in the way that it sort of tries to hit all those bullet points while also trying to tell a semi-coherent story. Yeah, um, yeah, emphasis, yeah. Emphasis on the semi, I guess, for the haters. <laughs> Again, like you mentioned, Clue, which is actually like which wasn't well received at the time, but it's gone on to be appreciated for being a pretty pretty awesome movie, right? But I think the difference between that and Mario is that. Clue, of course, is was already itself based on, you know, decades of murder mystery tropes and conventions that have been around for, you know, ages. So the movie really was just more riffing on the stuff that inspired the game rather than the actual game itself more than anything else. Right. There, there was a lot. I mean, I mean, Clue's essentially just a, a parody of murder mysteries. So, yeah, exactly. There was there was a lot of sort of established um, concepts for it to build on. And this, I mean, you could essentially say it had no concept to build on. I, again, it's it it only had elements to work into the plot. It didn't really have uh, I, the thing about those Mario games um, is even even if you lump in like something like the animated series, which which I mean, again, it was Mario fever for sure at this point. Oh, yeah. And, and I was very excited about it and I would watch the animated series. But there, there's there was never really that much of an idea of why is any of this happening? Uh, who are these guys? Like Mario and Luigi never really had that much explanation besides this. There are a couple of nice guys who almost definitely are into hallucinogenics. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it'd be funny if like somebody really did another Hard Edge reboot. Right. Where it's like, um, it just turns out... <laughs> Mario just eats a eats a bad pizza or something and goes to work. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's as good of an explanation as any for for why they're in the Mushroom Kingdom. But especially in in 1993, there just really wasn't a lot. Like there were little bits and pieces if you read like the booklets that came mm-hmm. with the games, uh, or if you really paid attention, then you could kind of piece together some plot. But yeah. it was pretty much just that you've got to save the princess from the bad guy in this crazy world. And there wasn't like a whole lot more than that. So uh, you have to feel for the people that, that had to kind of make that into something that felt like a normal releasable movie. And again, we're, we're recording this on kind of where the new Mario movie is just about to come out. And so it's, it hasn't come out quite yet. So we haven't seen it, but um, you know, they're going to have to, 
I guess, I guess what's fascinating to me is that there already was the animated series. And I think if I was looking at this as like a studio executive position, yeah. as opposed to somebody who actually likes this movie, me, uh, <laughs> I, I, w- I would say, what the hell are you doing? Like this, this makes no sense. There's no way people are going to go to this. Um, and, and why not make like a cheap cash in, uh, like and like kind of like the DuckTales movie that came out. Just yeah, use, the, yeah. use the exact same people that are animating the show and have them throw something together and squeeze some bucks out of people because everybody wants to go see Mario, which I suspect is kind of what this new Mario movie is, but I could be wrong because it hasn't come out yet. But yeah, I suspect yeah. that it's going to kind of just like, you know, go through the the beats in a much more brightly lit um, kind of yeah. predictable, predictable way. And that's probably what people want. And I'm sure I'm sure it will do better <laughs> than this one did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to do pretty well. I mean, uh, it's it's made by the Minions people. So it's going to be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they, they I mean, they have they know how to get kids to go watch their movie. So, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, you're right, though. Like, it's it's like it is one of those things where they, they didn't have much to work with. But they, uh, I got to say what they did was. I can't say I liked it much, but I did appreciate the just like bizarre creativity that went into it. Right. I mean, I, I imagine that's what you latched onto with it. Cause it is a visually interesting movie. It's kind of like a, kind of like doing sort of a baby Blade Runner look. Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. and I, there's, there's definitely some DNA crossover with it that, that I'll, I'll get into. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just like, I don't, I don't know what it was where some people went to go see it and just it became kind of this this cult thing for certain kids and other kids were just really really mad about it i mean i I kind of remember that that a lot of kids were just pretty frustrated and and again i think it's because they they already knew what they wanted the mario movie to be and it was not that yeah and it it could be my favorite part of the animated series was the lou albano stuff so oh yeah yeah yeah. maybe i was just a weirdo but I, i i found it really exciting to kind of see mario and luigi as just like you know, dudes in a like filthy apartment, yeah. Uh, which is really what this movie builds on is, is they're just like a couple of dudes who yeah. <laughs> yeah. get into this thing. So, Oh yeah. Well, I, not just, I, I like that. Yeah. Not just a couple of dudes, a couple of Italian dudes. Like, <laughs> yeah. The movie, the movie does not let you forget that they are Italians from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the Brooklyn paint is, is, is all over it, but yeah, yeah I, 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 I don't know. I find it, I find it just sort of charming that that's what it goes to is like the whole first stretch of it is very um, downsized from the sort of fantastical thing that I'm sure people were expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're literally trying to get jobs. They're driving mm-hmm. this kind of like crappy van with like Mario brothers and yeah. just kind of like a, you know, like everything's very real. Like they're, yeah. they're just, they're just a couple of plumbers for the first um, at least 15, if not 20 minutes um before things start to really uh get wild yeah and, um i don't know even even that part of it i responded to right away and i and i still i still enjoy that aspect of it um I, I, oh I, yeah I, yeah I, I mean i remember i like i remember uh, the, thinking the same thing when it came out because i like that's the, one of the things i liked about the the first live action turtle teenage Mutant ninja turtles movie exactly right you know because it gives which this has a very a lot uh, in common with, including the shooting location. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm sure they did. They use the same sets or the same studios. I'm sure because like I, I don't think so. Interestingly, yeah, I, I think if you watch it now, it's that seems like such an obvious touchstone. I mean, it it was three years after the first mm-hmm. Turtles movie, and the first Turtles movie is such a good example of something that shouldn't have worked, and it it just worked like gangbusters. Yeah, uh, both both. I mean, it just across the board, like like critics were kind of you know, hey, this isn't that bad. Um, people kind of saw it in droves. Kids were really happy with it. Oh yeah. Um, well, yeah. So, well, it's oh, well, then again, the, the filmmakers had a lot more to work with story wise. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but but interesting. Like I've been watching a lot of kind of uh, you know behind the scenes featurettes and stuff mm-hmm. on, on on this movie, and I keep expecting them to mention turtles as something that you know during the production somebody would have said, well, let's just do it like turtles. And nobody ever says it. And they're pretty open with some of the other things that they're trying. So it's kind Hmm. of unusual in a way that there's not, there's not actually, it doesn't really seem like turtles was on the table um, in terms of just the way that they put everything together, but it's very similar in the way that um, they took something that was kind of bright and cartoony, at least, I mean, turtles, again, they were able to go back to the comic. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and that was kind of what happened there is the 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 movie was based more on the grittier yeah. comic, but people went to it expecting a bright cartoon, and they got this very dark urban movie. Yeah, and Mario is clearly doing the exact same playbook, whether they openly said that or not. And for again, I think it's fascinating that with one, I mean, people. I'm one of those people, but people talk about that first Turtles movie. Now, if you were a kid when that movie came out, that movie's like a religion for you. Like, like it's, uh, oh, oh my it's God. such a big deal. Oh my God. Yeah. I, mean, I just remember at that point in my life, I'd never been to a movie theater that had been completely packed and full of, yeah. full of kids and stuff. It was like full of kids and the poorest parents and stuff. But like, I, it was, yeah, that movie was huge. Like uh, it also, it was like uh, a Batman, I think was the only other movie. That I remember having as much of a big, big. Well, actually, no, Home Alone. I think that year was as big for kids. Like, there's a bunch of early '90s actually had a lot of big kids movies. <laughs> yeah, and and all those movies, um, um, Turtles, uh, Home Alone, and um, what did you just say? Uh, the first first Batman movie. Oh, oh, Batman. Of course, yeah. Like, like three of like the darkest. Um, I mean, Home Alone is like a really dark, like everything takes place at night and mm-hmm. it's got that kind of like the wet street look, um, like yeah. all of those movies, including this one. Yeah, there's a lot of child kind of pulling, pulling from that thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. They're, they're dangerous. Yeah. Um, it just, it always, it looked, it looked like something you weren't quite supposed to be watching, which made it exciting for kids. Yeah. And on one hand, of course, I understand why Mario is different. Um, yeah, absolutely. But on the other hand, I'm a little surprised that it's reputation has gone down so poorly um through history when to me that's what was exciting about it was that it was let's take mario and make it um you know again kind of let's 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 put it in kind of like a dark um yeah context and and that kind of thing i really responded to at nine and <laughs> whenever i revisited on video i just I, you know, and then I, I go back to it every once in a while and I'm always just like, ah, I still, I still kind of feel an attachment to it. And I think a lot of it is because, um, it's, it's stripping it down to this, this kind of minimalist thing that's, mm-hmm. that you, you can sort of, you, you're getting what you see. And then the crazier it gets, um, it, it just becomes this very bizarre singular thing where you, it doesn't feel like something else. Um, 
And, and with Turtles, you've got the puppet aspect and you've got that with this movie too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where all, all those movies, except Home Alone didn't have, you know, creature work, but yeah. otherwise all the movies that were coming out in that era, um, that was that really important cross section where puppetry and robotics and everything were getting just really incre- incredible. Yeah. Like, like you couldn't believe how good it was getting. And that was the exact moment that CG kind of like started creeping in. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes those movies so interesting to watch is that you have that, those really tactile yeah. creatures and exactly. effects and everything. Yeah. And I guess, I guess like part of me is just like, can't everybody just appreciate that there's like dinosaurs in this thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like like the, the like the Yoshi puppet looks amazing. Yeah, amazing, like like yeah. In, in no way do I think that you have to make any apologies for. Uh, oh, Yoshi looks kind of you know you can tell it's a night. He looks great, and yeah, the, the Goombas yeah. have the have the ability to be. They look funny, but they just work so well. And yeah. what's so fascinating about those movies is that when you do watch these behind the scenes things for Turtles or for this movie, um like when you watch stuff that's like without, you know, pre pre visual effects, it's still the movie. Like you're still watching these creatures walk around among mm-hmm. people. And it's a totally otherworldly thing that you almost never see anymore. Even though that type of movie, like the structure of those movies has basically become the most popular movie with the superhero movie. Yeah. We kind of lost that aspect of it. Like we get movies that are just supposed to be these kind of like fantastical, crazy movies, but they don't, they're not tactile anymore. No, uh, they're 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 yeah. li- they're they're basically live action cartoons, right? Which I, I really mean, don't mean to sound so angry, old man, about it. I just think that it's really we have these few samples of movies from when um, the yeah. puppetry was just getting unreal. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. such treasures to look at now. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, uh, it was weird because I saw that I saw that Dungeons and Dragons movie that last Saturday, oh, sure. uh-huh. and it was it was. Uh, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. And I think half yeah, of that. Everybody, everybody, everybody seems to be really having a fun time with it. Yeah. That's a really, yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's really, it's really funny. It does not take itself seriously at all. But uh, one thing I, I mean, it has a lot of, obviously it has a lot of CGI and stuff in it, but like, I was surprised at the amount of practical creature stuff they have in it. Like nice. I felt, yeah, it was a nice throwback. Yeah. Um, every time there was, there is a movie that has like a lot of nice, like creature work. That's like, Oh, you can tell this is a real thing. I mean, I think that that's one of the things that's, that's the best thing about the older Star Wars movies. It's just like all the live, just the, the silly puppets. Like they, they, they don't look real. It doesn't matter how, how real they look. They just, it's like, oh, it's a thing that is there in front of the camera. Right. You know, yeah, it's they're, like, they're bringing back that back a little bit with some of the shows. I, most, oh, yeah. of the, most of the shows that I've watched, my favorite moments are just nothing moments where the camera just, just pans across the craziest thing you've ever seen. But it's not, it doesn't, it's not a plot point. It's just, it's just color to the world. Um, yeah. And, and the, the, they're tra- starting to do that really well again with the star Wars stuff. And, and again, that for me is like the biggest thing on this movie. Like, like there's a lot of individual things I like about it, but the main thing is just that it's this sort of paradise of crazy production design and sets and, um, and practical effects. And it's just the, once you are fully immersed in the mushroom kingdom, yeah. <laughs> I should say Dino Hatton more than the Mushroom Kingdom, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Once you're fully immersed in Dino Hatton, it's just it's an insane place. Like it's and and you get kind of that thrill um of uh of the cantina or something where you're just you're looking around and you're just like, This is wild, man. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that like there's lots of ba uh, background uh, actors with like all these cool makeups. I mean, you don't see them hardly, but it's just, right. It, but you you appreciate that texture that's there. Yeah, there's there's a lot of depth to it where you just you're again you're, you're seeing stuff that looks like it could be something they'd build a whole scene around, and it's just a guy walking by um, that they put a lot of effort into, and there's just there's almost no it, the it's so busy, like it's such a busy movie for better or worse, and <laughs> yeah, any, any of the Dino Hatton scenes just in the background, it's chaos. And I, I, I love watching chaos on screen. It's my favorite. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's kind of where, where I, de where I depart from you with this movie. I, I, I mean, I, I, um, I mean, before we get into the plot or anything, uh, I like, I appreciated the visual, uh, the inventiveness of the visuals and the, and the, of course the effects, the pra sets, practical effects and everything. I kind of found the movie rather annoying. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's like one of those, I think, I think it has the thing that I don't like with a lot of comedies, sci -sci, especially sci-fi action comedies where it's just busy. It's like, mm -hmm. it's just, it's just throwing a lot of things at the screen. It's not really, I mean, there is a plot. It is a story. I mean, um, but it's like, you know, a lot of it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. Of, I mean, I don't know. I've just never been a big fan of like, the everything's crashing on screen as like a things <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like that, that oh that, sure that kind of comedy i never liked blues brothers that much for that reason oh wow okay no, yeah. i mean i like the parts of it that are really funny but i mean no, I, yeah, actually, I get it yeah 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 i just never liked that kind of comedy it's just to me that's not that's not what i like in comedy um right yeah. Well, um, I should also say that my my favorite uh, movie is Freddy Got Fingered. So. Oh no! Well, that is a totally different case. That is a, that is a surrealist masterpiece of like <laughs> just insanity. Like, and it's but it, like, does, it does it has it has bits where um, it's intentionally the the wheels are coming off the track. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And I, I, pure, I, I always just, enjoy that. Yeah, that's just pure Dada insane surrealist like craziness. That's a totally different kind of thing. No, I like that kind of chaos. Like that's like actual like anarchy, like anarchistic kind of like fun. Like okay, this guy's doing something dangerous with this movie, right? You know, like kind of he's actually really genuinely subverting. He's like they just gave him money to make this ridiculous thing that he's just, <laughs> just right. he's and he's just and he's just doing what, just things that he finds amusing in it. I mean, and there's just and it is there's some really fucking hilarious shit in that movie. That's a completely different kind of chaos. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think I know exactly what you mean. And it's it's I mean, it, it's completely backed up by the way this movie was kind of Frankenstein together. Um, like yeah. in one of the uh, behind the scenes things I watched, one of the two directors even just straight up said we were basically throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what stuck. <laughs> so um, there's yeah. that. So, I mean, yeah, maybe even before we kind of dip into the plot, like the 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 path to being a movie on this is particularly um, just all over the place. And, and yeah, you, you really feel it. Um, again, for, for me, I think it creates kind of a, a, a fun mishmash of different, you know, directions all happening at the same time, mm -hmm. but it, it's, you know, there, there's no way to pretend that that's not part of what, um, makes it objectively not quite come together. Um, but I mean, it, one of the weirdest things is that the guy who kind of put this whole thing into motion is Rollin Joffe, who's yeah, um, yeah, like a really serious director. Yeah, like the Killing Fields, was, yeah, Killing Fields was like his big <laughs> debut. The mission, yeah, 
<laughs> he's like a very like thoughtful like um, yeah just a serious guy and even in all the behind the scenes stuff he's hilariously serious like he's he's he I, it really seems like he and he doesn't even seem that un- displeased with how the movie came out I just think he sees the movie through a different lens than the rest of us. Like I, I, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he really thinks that uh, it was the first movie that he did with like his production company that he was starting. Ah, yeah. And it really felt like it was like, he had all this clout from making these, you know, Oscar um, worthy movies and was like, I think that the future is making movies based on video games <laughs> and, yeah. and was not being jokey about it or seeing it as like a, uh, um, seeing it as dollar signs. Um, he just really seems to be passionate about it. And he essentially talked Nintendo into giving him the, the job for um, like half of what some of the big studios were trying to make a Mario movie for. And Nintendo just thought he seemed more interesting and more passionate. So they were like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. And like that, I mean, I, as much as I, I didn't think it was a good movie. I did. <laughs> sure. I did enjoy watching it because you could tell that like there was effort put into making this world, and that that really is what shines through uh, above everything. Um, yeah, I think I think the most the most that anyone can hope for in a reevaluation of this movie is just that it's it's kind of fascinating and it's um, it's fun to watch and sort of interesting to watch, but. Um, I think it would be too much for me to hope that people think it's a, a lost masterpiece. And realistically, I, I don't, I don't know that I could quite go there. I just, I just, for me, it's, it's the interestingness outweighs <laughs> the faults, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, it is an interesting film. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, especially now, cause like we've had since this movie came out, I mean, literally 30 years ago now. Oh my God. Yeah. Literally 30 years yeah. ago. Um, and you know, like now we're full circle with this new movie coming out, which looks very much like, okay, this is what people want from Mario movie. Yeah. It's, it's what, it's what it's like, again, looking at it from a um, executive standpoint, it's what they should have done in the first place. Mm-hmm. I I'm glad that they didn't, but yeah, <laughs> it's what yeah. they should have. It's what they should have done on paper. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But uh, yeah, exactly. We're glad that they did. Cause it's like, yeah. Cause like video game movies are, yeah. Like in the nineties they are, or a few here and there, they start, they, um, I believe, I think the first one I really remember, like, thinking was, like, I, okay, this actually feels like the video game was Mortal, the first Mortal Kombat movie, which actually does, it's not a good movie, but it does, at least, it does definitely capture, like, okay, the, this, it gets the appeal of the game, you know? Right. Yeah, and, like, and again, like, Mario is so, is such a, is such a much more cartoony, simpler world, and there's no story, at least as far as, like, the game goes, that, uh, yeah, so, whatever they added on top of this there is, is pretty interesting, and um, I actually wanted to get into a little bit of it, because, like, the premise here is, okay, we, so we open, because we open with this scene of, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the H it's the Mesozoic era and 65 million years ago. Right. And, and we have, we get this, uh, uh, Dan Castle and that, uh, yeah. Uh, narration, narration, the Homer Simpson for everybody doesn't know. Um, not as Homer, obviously, but doing a voice, but he's doing like this kind of like wise guy, a very like, over the top voice. Yeah. 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 It, it was like, Hey, uh, what if uh, the media that killed the dinosaurs actually just transported them to another dimension? You know, and they, <laughs> and there's like these, there's like these like primitive, like uh, digit, digitized 
like I guess I guess intended to be like video gamey looking graphics. Yeah, there's like a 16 bit animated intro. And yeah, sort sort of setting the stage. Um, which, which I guess that was added after test audiences had no idea what was going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Watched, they watched the movie and they were just like, "You you lost us at square one." So, and I don't yeah. know that it, it helps that much, but I guess it kind of gives you a little bit of like, um, it establishes the 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 split um, dimension of the dinosaurs in a mm-hmm. way that maybe you would have to pick up through exposition. Um, yeah, which is a, a lot to ask of a um, child-heavy audience. Yes, yeah, exactly. Especially, especially something that's based on something that really has almost nothing to do with dinosaurs to right. begin with. That was uh, that was also the interesting thing is the I mean the was the decision to go with this dinosaur angle because like you know obviously there's the the Yoshi from the games and I think there's like a dinosaur world or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, I guess it's uh, I forget if it's two or three has dinosaur land. Yeah. And that that's kind of what they were going with. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I I could get it. It's just something to latch on to. Like, yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, but but at the same time it's like, yeah, you don't think of like when you think of Mario, you don't think of, oh, dinosaurs, you know? Um at least not necessarily. I mean, Yoshi, but yeah, Yoshi is definitely I guess the that the that aspect of it where they got that uh, idea from. Um also it was coming out I I don't know if Jurassic Park had anything to do with it, but Definitely, uh, Jurassic Park was coming out at that, so that maybe maybe they're like, okay, dinosaurs are back. We got to do our own angle with this. Yeah, it could be. I I know I know that they said when they were making the Yoshi puppet, they said they were kind of aware of that there was this specter of Jurassic Park kind of coming, so they like mm-hmm. wanted to do a really good job with the dinosaur work. Yeah. Um, so it must have been big enough that people were thinking that's that's on the horizon. So that. That could have been part of it for sure. I, I know that the directors, the whole dinosaur thing was definitely something that they said they brought to it that wasn't um, that wasn't there already. And um, it could definitely be a case of they just separately were interested in dinosaurs and just figured out how to push that in. Hard to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but I will say it's interest, definitely an interesting angle. But I, but. And the thing that I think the thing that really made the okay, this is what I could do is this is how I could justify doing this as a saucer cinema episode uh-huh. <laughs> is that okay? So I mean, obviously we're taking place in another dimension, so okay, we're already involving another reality, another world, so that's technically alien. Um, and there is a, I will say, because you know there is a strain of conspiracy theory and UFOs and blah blah blah, you know, mythology about lizard people and reptile people, right? And, and stuff like that. And I also have, and I also have a personal connection with this because when I was a kid, okay, I was, I was obsessed with UFO, UFOs, believe it or not. I mean, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm, I'm sure you guys are all like, yeah, yeah. just like a what you, uh, and, um, so, uh, but yeah, so I, I would pretty much read any book I could find that was like, looked halfway interesting. And I got this book from Barnes and Noble one day called aliens, the final solution. <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunate kind of title uh well oh yeah it's also aliens the final solution question mark and all right basically the thesis of this book is that dinosaurs had evolved and it <laughs> is that ufos are actually uh piloted by intelligent dinosaurs uh whose civilization was destroyed at the end of the cretaceous period and somehow and, and I'm, I was kind of confused about what the point was, was that the, the evidence of this was that humans 
don't have penis bones. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So like the idea was like that humans were engineered or something by these dinosaur people to, uh, to like, uh, you know, use us as a slave race, which again is a common conspiracy theory trope in like ancient astronaut theories. I mean, it, it's been around forever. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's been well worn out, but like, this, this variation was just really interesting because this guy was like, yeah, these aliens, they're all reptile aliens. They're all dinosaurs. That's a, and, um, and so like, yeah, so that was always in the back of my mind whenever thinking about this movie also. It's like, that's, that's kind of what this movie is about in a way. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah because essentially it's, it's, it's what if there was, what if instead of the meteor killing the dinosaurs, what if it just sent them into their own space and then you've got, a planet of the dinosaurs situation yeah, yeah. where yeah. Um, men, men have evolved from dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, that was a, that was, I mean, I will say this, <laughs> that does kind of irk me a little bit. Cause it's like, okay, all right, I get it. It's a movie, whatever it's fantasy. It doesn't matter. But like, it, I just like, Oh man, that's not how fucking evolution works, man. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it's super messy, but I think that, I think the fun that they're having with it is, yeah, yeah. Uh, what would it be like if, human beings had 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 a reptilian origin instead which again yeah it does link i don't know that they were reading about oh um, no yeah, yeah reptile no. people but um that's a that's definitely a thread here is that the people in this world are a lot more aggressive but they're mm-hmm. not necessarily bad people except for the uh you know the main the main villain that i'm sure we'll spend some time on um yeah, yeah. They're, they're just they're just different they they have different personalities because they have a dinosaur base instead of an ape base yeah um which is you know ridiculous but fun to experiment with i guess yeah 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 i mean it's, it's a fun process it's just like me i might my, my, i mean again i I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a lot i'm not a stickler for logic with movies it's just like <laughs> right. It's just that when I think about this stuff, because like, I mean, I was like, think, I don't know. It's just like, they, I mean, all the, so there's these dinosaur people that have evolved from dinosaurs, but like, they're still like very mammalian. They have like breasts and things. It's like, they, what? I mean, so, cause like Daisy, this major love interest from Luigi here is, uh, okay. Where's We, at the first scene in the movie, we find out she's this baby that's been, uh, uh, secreted away by, I don't know who uh, her 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 mom uh, okay drops okay. her off in our dimension yeah with with the crucial piece of the meteorite that that is needed to merge the dimensions and then yeah, um, yeah. I think I think is killed sort of off screen um, yeah yeah she's because, killed as part of risking her her life to to save her daughter kind of thing. Yeah, 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 and uh, she's dro- she drops off this egg with this convent, <laughs> like, <laughs> which I mean, I, I don't know, like, I mean, that's I, I, I mean, if I was like one of these nuns, I don't know what the f- hell, what hell I would think about seeing this <laughs> this egg hatch and this ba- human baby come out of it. Like, if I was a nun looking at this through a nun's you know theological lens, I'm like, this is not part of God's creation. We don't- <laughs> we got to get rid of this thing or so i don't know but maybe not i don't know it's a clearly human-esque baby but it's like this baby but i just like when i because i always go to biological things when i think about this stuff like if it was a descendant from dinosaurs does it have a cloaca (laughs) or or, you know does it have like i mean i mean dinosaurs probably had a range of different kind of you know because birds are the most uh closest relatives of dinosaurs living but um they 
you know, birds have, you know, usually have cloacas with, uh, you know, like genitalia. <laughs> like there's just this hole where everything comes out of. I don't know. I'm just thinking like if, if Luigi was actually to successfully, you know, make it with this girl. Uh, right. What would that entail? Would he like find her genitals weird looking? I mean, that just kind of that, that's the kind of thing my brain goes to with this kind of shit. <laughs> sure, sure, why not? But but it does not matter one bit. I just it's, <laughs> it's just the way my brain works with this shit. Um, but um, and so the, the the nuns have this baby, and then with and a little piece of meteorite, the little MacGuffinite, um, and then uh, you know, we cut to like what thirty years later and uh, or twenty years later. I don't know how how old, how old is she supposed to be in this like early twenties? Like, yeah, I'm I'm not too sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, but Samantha Mathis was her. She's a now a paleontologist. Um, and she is, uh, and the, the, the Mario brothers are these plumbers. Like we said, the schlubby Italian plumbers are just down on their luck, always, uh, competing with the Scapellis, uh, these, uh, who I'm assuming are these mobbed up guys. Uh, they get all the plumbing jobs and Mario and Luigi don't, don't, uh, don't have enough to, to get by. Yeah. Um, it does, it does link like, uh, so Luigi's character in this is a paranormal uh, yeah, 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 like he has, yeah. He's obsessed with alternate dimensions, and so you know you have this faded thing where um, she doesn't know that she's part dinosaur, and she's obsessed with dinosaurs. He's kind of faded to help out this complicated situation, and so he's drawn to these things. So it's kind of the same way as the weird evolving into dinosaurs thing. It's like every, everybody's sort of faded in this bizarre yeah. universe to to sort of be in these places and yeah there's these little nods to that yeah 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 and um and of course mario is like his older brother detect you know, protective uh kindly but you know kind of paternal brother apparently raised him or something i don't i mean that's i guess yeah it's it's one of those where like when they explain it it's like that's definitely your dad yeah <laughs> i guess it's one of those things where he was probably like a late teenager when he started raising this kid. Yeah. So it, it felt more brotherly, I guess. Yeah. Um, but every time they sort of explain their relationship, it's like, I don't know that you guys are brothers, um, even in the most like generous sense of the term. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Mar Mario's your stepdad. That's what you call that. When, yeah. <laughs> when a grown man adopts and raises you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> So Mario, so, so Mario and uh, and Luigi are like, yeah, they're 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 basically a, a father and son. That's at least that's their relationship dynamic for sure. Yes. And um, Luigi is uh, played by John Leguizamo, um, who I don't know at that point had I what what had, what, had he been anything? He was like um, he was known for like he was basically like a huge up and comer, which I don't think I fully realized, but. People were really excited about him because he was um, performing uh, his stand up a lot and he was just had a lot of buzz about him. And I think people were just stoked about him, but definitely hadn't led a major movie at this point. And I know that he. Um, yeah, I'll kind of get into like <laughs> the different actors and how how they have sort of um, landed with this. Yeah. <laughs> John Leguizamo is is soft on it because it was a big deal for him, and I think yeah, he, he's yeah. and he's been talking out of recently about not being a huge fan of them. Even even though Luigi in no way was intended to be 
uh, Latino actor, the fact that they did do that, his point is it's, it's kind of bogus to, uh, to undo that. And yeah, you could argue that to death, but uh, I, I think that he feels like it was an important thing for him to make that his signature role. And it definitely, it made, it made him like a I mean, it, I was immediately when I was a kid, I was, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I thought, I thought John Leguizamo overnight. I was just John Leguizamo's awesome. The end. I mean, I remember uh, he, not too long after that, he had a show on Fox for a while, like a sketch comedy show, uh-huh. house of bugging or something like that. Yeah. 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 I remember that. And, um, and uh, and he was, you know, obviously went on to do these have a completely fine, successful career. So it did. The movie did not did not hurt him uh, by any means. Um, no, I, I think in his case, because he was out of nowhere, it, yeah. it just made him more accessible. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's kind of doing amazing in the sense that he's like a really high profile character actor at this point. Like he, he was in he popped up in the menu. John Wick. He just kind of just pops up everywhere. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's just always, always on call. Did I, was he guest hosting the daily show recently i thought i saw something like that i don't know i don't watch daily show but uh, yeah i don't know that's that I, seems likely i think i think they've been having guest host or something because i saw something where it looked like he was doing that it's like okay i mean yeah he's a com- I mean, he's a comedian he's got a background in comedy and all that so, yeah I mean, and and, yeah. and he, he did a lot uh he brought a lot to this su- supposedly in terms of just there a lot of times there was nothing to yeah um, there, there was no way to really bridge scenes because they were kind of winging it so much. And so I think his improv background was fairly useful. Not that he's necessarily dropping these golden one-liners through the movie or anything, but I do think that he, he glues it together to some degree. He got them to the next take, basically. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, again, I, I thought it was great. I think what's interesting is that if you're a kid, Luigi is kind of the star of the movie yeah uh, like it's his he has more of an arc he has the love story yeah um and he's really doing more like he he's kind of like at the end of the movie mario's doing the big fight but luigi is kind of like the one who's calling the shots and mm-hmm. when they do like their celebratory like hey we're the mario brothers thing at the end it's kind of like luigi in the lead. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they did an interesting thing there, whether it was intentional or not, where if you go to see it and you're like the dad that took your kid to see it, Mario's like your, your surrogate. But if you're a kid, Luigi's your surrogate because he's younger and he's kind of like a hip guy. And yeah. It worked wonders on me is all I'm saying. I was just like, <laughs> this guy is awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was predisposed to like Bob Hoskins as Mario more. Uh, I oh, think for that, sure. As, because, as, a, you know, as a grown person, I'm much more excited about Hoskins, but yeah, I mean, uh, cause you know, I mean, Leguizamo was cool and new. And I, I was just, I was just like this. I want to act like this guy. I want to be, I want to be John Leguizamo. Basically, <laughs> at, at that age. Yeah. I, I, I totally understand. Definitely as a kid, that's that. He, I mean, he, he's kind of meant that way. Cause like, I guess, cause in the games, there's really, I mean, as far as like the gameplay, you, all, I mean, Louis is just a green Mario. I mean, he's just yeah. like, he's just, the, yeah. And, um, uh, and giving him that, making that distinction with this is kind of interesting. Uh, he, uh, uh, so that brings us to Bob Hoskins as Mario, which obviously physical, the physical typecasting of it makes perfect sense. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he does about as good a job as he could try to do with this, what, what he's given, you know, cause yeah. he's, He's obviously a great actor and all that. And uh, um, yeah, yeah, I, I I can't say enough about Hoskins in general and in this 
movie. Uh, I mean, he's really, for me, Hoskins is like a top tender type guy. I just, I, I love oh, yeah. that he's, I love that he is able to, I think, I mean, I think Roger Rabbit is kind of a clear example of why he makes so much sense for this movie. Because, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He's got this, like, uh, he's got that uh, supernatural ability to, you can drop him into a serious movie or you can drop him into the most ridiculous thing in the world. Right. And he'll, he'll make you believe it. Uh, and I just think it's fascinating watching him in this, that he's doing the most silly things that anyone's ever been asked to do. And he's just, he's super grounded and Mm -hmm. always just kind of seems like he's right there in the moment. Mm -hmm. And you really kind of like buy him as a guy, even though it's absolutely absurd. Um, which is kind of more interesting in the fact that I don't think he was having a great time at all making this and has always been pretty disparaging about it. Yeah. But I think he make. I mean, I guess it's, it's about 50%. This movie's just kind of a style spectacle yeah. that I think is what's, what's interesting about it. And then 50% just Bob Hoskins is the shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he really anchors it. I mean, I think like gives it, gives it that sense of like legitness, legitimacy to it. I mean, cause he's, right. you know, cause again, like I, I mean, I, of course most, I mostly knew him from like Roger Rabbit and stuff like that hook things that you know the, yeah as a kid the, those are the things i'd seen him in at that point you know i don't think i'd seen brazil at that point or stuff like that. yeah which but. is which that's interesting in its own i mean yeah which uh, also like, another another touchstone for this movie another clear touchstone. right definitely <laughs> some gilliam stuff going on in this movie but yeah I, I there's something kind of fascinating about bob hoskins as that bridge between them because he's kind of playing a plumber in brazil like he's yeah he's playing he's playing more just of kind of like a you know jack of all trades handyman guy but yeah. he's literally carrying around like a wrench and mm-hmm. he's really basically playing evil mario in brazil yeah <laughs> so you'd have to expect that at some point somebody made that connection um that yeah. he's, he's doing something kind of similar in a movie that is gilliam-esque for sure um, yeah at least at least just visually yeah for sure for sure i mean it definitely is going for the dystopian thing uh the, i mean it's it's like famously bob hoskins uh of course i you know i like as you said he's not never been particularly fond of uh having to do this movie but he did one of the best anecdotes ever from any actor i've ever seen uh <laughs> is i mean i'm pretty sure you know what i'm talking about here um so basically i'll just read i'll just read this i just i, just, I pulled this up on an article like uh so yeah, so obviously he was interviewed at one point meh, several years later about this. And he's like, I didn't even know it was a game, Hoskins says, bemused to the interviewer. It was my kids that told me. They said, what's your next film? And I said, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> oh, that's the game. Oh, oh, what? Yeah, here, and this is you. And I, I saw this thing jumping up and down and I thought, I used to play King Lear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> He's 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 he actually he's actually on camera in one of the behind the scenes things and he's like uh I'm not gonna attempt to do his amazing Cockney accent but yeah. uh he 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 was yeah exactly it's like I I used to like wear tights and do Shakespeare on stage and now I'm playing a guy that jumps up and down and he like <laughs> he, he uses his hands to like signify yeah even in the behind the scenes thing you can kind of see on his face that he's just kind of you know what what has happened but I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not like he hadn't done other again, hook and um, you know, he, he had, he had done other silly things. Yeah. Um, I, I think that he was game for it. And actually the directors were sort of saying that on set, he was actually a pretty good guy and easy to get along with and professional. 
yeah. So I, I think some of it is in retrospect, like just the, I'm sure it hurts when you're like the, you're the face of a movie that comes out and just gets absolutely brutalized. Like this one did. Yeah. Um, he's probably doing some retrospective, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it probably tastes worse in his memory, uh, than, than when it was actually happening. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, but I, I do appreciate, I think, I think though there is a thing about especially British actors where it's like, even if they honestly despise the material they're working with, they tend to be like very pro about it. And like, yeah. And so like they, their whole thing is like, you know, okay. Yeah. I don't like what I'm doing. It's, it's a paycheck, but I'm going to do the best job I can do doing it. And so I'm going to try and make this set run as smoothly as I can with me. I'm not going to, you know, at least, I mean, obviously I'm sure there are plenty of exceptions, but there definitely is like a, a, a British attitude towards like a stage attitude towards right. filmmaking. They're, they're not, right? they're not going to phone it in no matter what. Yeah. I, again, if just, if you watch this movie, even if you, even if you hate the movie, if you just kind of really lock into his face and I mean, even, I mean, he's also got a handicap, which is that he's got to look like this ridiculous character and sound like this ridiculous character to some degree. So he's got to do this kind of cartoonish accent. Mm-hmm. And even with all that, uh, just, just if you watch his face, you just like, that's a guy that believes that there's magic fungus in front of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever's going on. Like he's checked in, like he's, he, as, as much as he might, like after the shots cut, go back to his trailer and, and ask him what he's doing with his, ask himself what he's doing. With his <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, as when the camera's rolling, he's on point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think having him there is just so interesting because I mean, there's, there's a central joke to Mario that I almost feel like people don't always appreciate, um, which is that it is uh, this, you know, Italian. I mean, you can, debate whether or not the fact that he's so Italian is, is potentially going to be problematic at some point. But the fact that it is this kind of workaday plumber mm-hmm. uh, being put into these fantastical situations. And I feel like yeah. the movie gets that piece of Mario um, where like, he's never playing it like a superhero. He's, he's approaching it like a plumber and it's even kind of a running joke that yeah. the situations that he's solving it that he's solving he's doing it as a plumber would solve them not yes. not not as superman would solve them yeah so he's a very i mean he's he's just a guy showing up for work and if work is weird today so be it yeah and, and that's that's a joke that's literally ported straight from the game i mean that's that's the joke of the game is that 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 little bouncing guy could have been anybody and mm-hmm. they made him an Italian plumber. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, that, that's actually what, that's one of the best things about the movie. I think is that like yeah, just Hoskins just you know he anchors it. I can't really say the same for Dennis Hopper, who's definitely <laughs> sure. I th- I feel like the contempt on his of, of him for the material is just more clear and evident because he's I mean he's he's I mean he's fun a little bit, but he's also like you can tell he does not like. I, I've seen I've seen him in movies where he's kind of just doing a thing in a movie yeah. because you know paycheck role you know he definitely had one of those uh, very uh, checkered uh, all over the place kind of careers right for for a lot of reasons um, um, you know he's, and he's good as being villains I don't know he just seemed kind of like it's like some of his line deliveries just feel like man I really do not want to be saying this shit right now <laughs> yeah I, I really don't know what to make of it I, I have kind of mixed feelings about it because yeah again there's a lot of examples where you can see Dennis Hopper checked out um, and it doesn't really look like this like he's really he kind of he's kind of is doing like a full I think Dennis Hopper was the original like he was the first guy that did 
what Nick Cage does so well, where he just will shamelessly just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he can be amazing. Like in something like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, just movies that he's allowed to be fully ridiculous. And yeah, yeah I feel like it's a little bit of a mix in this. Like in, in some moments, I think that it looks like he's really eating it up. Like he's enjoying, he's playing a T-Rex, yeah, which, yeah. which is hilarious. And if you watch his arms, He's doing a T-Rex thing like almost the whole time. Yeah. I did not notice that. He, okay. Yeah, it's really funny if you if you if you key into it. He's kind of holding his hands up in like the T-Rex mode. And I think I forget, I don't know if it was the I don't think it was the directors. I think it was some more serious suit type person apparently had to be like, "Can you maybe not do so much of the dinosaur thing because it's it's pretty ridiculous. Like when he walks down like a hallway, he's he's yeah. literally holding holding his hands up like tiny t-rex style oh and no i, I never yeah, noticed it's, that it's pretty funny and, and he's what he's doing is kind of funny sometimes but i also completely agree that sometimes it seems contemptuous and um and he was definitely not having a good time by literally all reports uh he, he was pretty frustrated with the movie uh there's another thing with him that we should talk about sure i i couldn't find somebody that's just spelled this out but it seems impossible that he's not doing trump yeah, yeah. I mean, in retrospect, especially like I was like thinking that he looks so Trumpian in this. Like he looks. Yeah, it's it's kind of insane, and yeah, it could be one of those things where, you know, yeah, like after everything that's happened, it's easier to see that. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of precedent for that. I mean, the um, Bob Gale from Back to the Future came out and said, yeah, they were definitely thinking Trump for Biff. And yeah, yeah, Future for sure, show. for sure, for sure. And, and it comes up a lot. Like if you go back to media from that time, he was the closest thing anybody had to like a cartoonish, like mustache twirling villain without the mustache. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like a guy that was just eating up buildings and, you know, just like he, he was going to own New York city, Yeah, which you can quickly extrapolate to he's going to own the world. Yeah. So he became like a really good model for a villain, which is just, I mean, you can't even exaggerate how surreal it is now to look at all these things that were kind of cartoonishly exaggerating him to be a, a supervillain and then he became a supervillain. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like exactly. He, he got closer than anyone would have ever dreamed to world domination, <laughs> which is insane that there were people like kind of joking about like, you know, he's kind of like a Trump guy, but like instead of wanting New York, he wants the whole world. Yeah, yeah. Like and it, then, seemed, it was ridiculous to say so and then it was true. Yeah, I mean, that's a repeating pattern throughout uh, the last, what, six years, six, seven, eight years is just like every ridiculous thing you thought was exaggerated satire. Right. Absolutely. Like, I feel like uh, every time I watch Mr. Show or I see like a, an old episode of Mr. Show, I'm like, this is hilarious. But then it's like, oh, shit, this happened. This yeah. happened, you right. know, like or something like this. Very close to this happened. Like, I feel like that. Uh, I don't know. And I just feel like, yeah, I mean, it's it's not even a new observation at this point that like satire and reality just completely uh, merged uh, like dimensions, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, it's well, but I, I wish that I could have found a quote or something kind of confirming that somebody said Trump's name at some point, but I would bet money on it that it at least it wasn't necessarily, I mean, again, there was a lot about how he was really trying to be a dinosaur. Cause that's how Dennis Hopper is. Mm-hmm. Um, like he really wanted to capture a dinosaur yeah, um, but I would be mind blown if somebody at some point didn't at least mention Trump's name in conjunction with that character while they were putting it together because he's doing a pretty similar thing. Oh, and, yeah. And again, the T-Rex hands makes it funnier because I don't think people were keyed into making fun of Trump's hands back then. But yeah, 
it's a it's a detail that now seems funnier because he's kind of playing with his like tiny hands the whole time yeah so there's just there's a lot in there that just is like <laughs> was also, just discussed yeah i mean also just like the the hair color similar the blonde you know like and, and just like the, yeah the look, and he's, the look he's, of him. he's very hair forward like it's not it's not a similar haircut but it's it's like he's, yeah he's really doing something with his hair yeah uh yeah it's it's a really it's a really interesting villain and as much as i love dennis hopper it's not necessarily my favorite thing about this movie no. and i think it is that you can sort of feel that there's some complicated feelings involved yeah uh, there's there's a lot of details on that because uh i don't think anybody i think everybody knows they, that everybody loves dennis hopper and you can say stories about him without sounding that disparaging because it just sounds fun yeah um, richard edson who's another yeah weird element of this movie um, yeah <laughs> he, he he talked about being on set when dennis hopper just blew up Mm-hmm. And that him and Fisher Stevens were kind of trying not to laugh because it was like just so absurd that yeah that Dennis Hopper and his like Koopa gear was just like reaming out just the production as a whole basically just yelling <laughs> in every direction. <laughs> so yeah, he, he he was not a fan. So I, I there were, I don't I think Bob Hoskins like on set was like a a, a, a team player. Yeah. And then after it failed, he kind of turned on it. Yeah. Um, but both of those guys were never particularly kind to the movie. But I think what happened, um, going back to kind of like the pre-production, mm-hmm. uh, which is just very, you know, it was a roller coaster all over the place. Um, after Roland Joffe got the rights to go ahead with it, they were in script world for uh, I think a couple years. Yeah. And it was like nonstop. It was so many drafts. It's unbelievable. I believe that there was a, a version of the script that was like more like a road trip movie. Yeah. So I, I think the very first script that at least that anybody talks about is that the guy that wrote Rain Man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The guy that wrote Rain Man did a draft that was the most extreme version of and again, you have to sympathize with what is what is a video game movie at this point? Like nobody exactly. knew what that meant. So his take was there's these two guys, Mario and Luigi, and they're on a journey. So he turned that into the most grounded version, which was just these two guys kind of on like a road trip in a car. Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> literally having like Beckett style existential conversations. Yeah. And and apparently like the the there's a there's a funny bit that I think is it's in the documentary and also on Wikipedia, I think where uh, it was the guy had pretty much just done rain man. Yeah. And it sort of felt like he had just redid rain man. Yeah, with yeah. Mario and Luigi. <laughs> and so, and so, and so internally, some people were calling the, the, that script drain man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that rules. Oh my yeah, God. It's amazing. So, so that was like, I don't think that was even had a chance of being made. And I don't think anything in that script survived. Although I would love to see that. I don't think that one's available. So, uh, so just running through the drafts real quick. Sure. So th- then they kind of did like a more kids um, friendly version. That was like the writers that did the Flintstones movie, which this also shares some weird, weird DNA with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, that movie I can't defend. It's no. pretty bad, but yeah, it's, it's awful. It, it is, it is one of those movies where if you just watch it and don't try to appreciate the script, but you just try to watch it as a spectacle. Yeah. It's amazing. I like guess it's, it's the same thing where it's got uh live Dino. action. Dinosaurs. Yeah, D- Dino is an amazing puppet and there's absolutely 
incredible sets and production yeah. design on that movie. So very, very similar. And I think just a year. The B-52 show up in that movie. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, Stonehenge. And like Stonehenge is a restaurant. That, that's one of the few clever things about that movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will always appreciate a B-52's cameo. Oh, of um, course. And also, the, also um, one of the f- things it shares with this movie uh, is a very kind of like weird soundtrack. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like okay so i mean i, I we're just gonna go all over the place with this we'll, we'll yeah, get it we'll get it's an all over the place movie so yeah it, it would it would only be fair to the movie for us to jump around chaotically yeah so like the sound like the soundtrack is like uh it's a weird mixture of like okay i mean it's it's very it's a very it's like definitely reflects the kind of like we don't know really what we're doing with this movie kind of thing <laughs> you know sure. you know like okay so it's got a theme song credit theme song done by Roxette. <laughs> uh and then there's like a then there's like this uh love is the drug cover you know like from by roxy music um from uh, i believe uh what was the one the one with the siren on the cover that album so, yeah yeah that one <laughs> you know love is a drug uh one of my favorite roxy music songs actually uh a cover version by uh the divinals the, the touch myself people. right right <laughs> uh of course walk the dinosaur uh yeah which is like um was not was but the uh, it's uh george george clinton oh i didn't realize that is doing yeah george clinton's doing like a brand new version that was just for this movie i think it was just for this movie and it's it's really yeah it's really it's pretty funked up and it, it's credited to george clinton and the goombas yeah on, on the official soundtrack yeah yeah <laughs> and they they lean on that one that one that one kicks in a few times in the soundtrack Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, tr- uh, yeah, it's like a, okay. So like, we also have, of course, uh, Marky Mark and the Funky. I mean, it's ninety three. It's it's like sure it makes sense. Extreme, uh, like a hair the hair metal band. Uh, who did that song? More than words, I think. You like? It was, oh, okay. I don't think I know Extreme. Uh, you probably know the song. It's that go. Yeah, the, sure. It's like more than words. It's like it's just like this. <laughs> it's this terrible power ballad from the early nineties. Got, Got it. Joe Satriani, Megadeth. Queen, some band called Us Three, Tracy Spencer, and another rock set. It's just it's a, it's, a, it's very much a very early '90s weird grab bag kind of soundtrack. Yeah, for sure. It's I mean the that that was a fun outlet that I don't know if it was always rewarding, but that was always a very strange mishmash of. This was like a little bit before I think like the heyday of, um, I think like the late '90s, um. Like when was like Spawn and uh... oh yeah that uh, that that was uh, yeah because that like Spawn I well I think uh, there uh, Spawn was like that kind of thing where they, they did that thing kind of a gimmick where they matched up like uh, like current alternative rock or right or... yeah they started to do more gimmicky ones and you ended up with some really fun outlier tracks yeah but that was more that was more the late nineties I think at this point people probably weren't rushing to like Sam Goody to pick up no. <laughs> mario on cd but a few years later i think that became a pretty huge industry so this is basically like right there where it's like uh just a hodgepodge of random yeah like kind of a something for everybody type of design to the soundtrack yeah, yeah. well i mean no i mean i think i think that like i remember soundtracks being a pretty big deal in the 80s and early 90s like uh i remember getting the prince batman soundtrack when i was a kid that was like one of the first yeah one of the first tapes i owned um, still wish I had it. I mean, uh, I mean, I obviously not one of Prince's best albums, but still, it's it's got some good, it's got some bangers on there. Um, 
get Part- that dance. Party man, man. Party man. Party man. That's a banger. I, I don't care what anybody says. Um, and uh, 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 the, tur- I remember the original Turtles soundtrack, I remember begging my mom to get it at like Kmart or something. Or Walmart or something. I don't remember. And, and she got it. And That was probably one of those that was just like a few, like a couple rap songs and then like a bunch of score segments, though, probably. Right. I think it was pretty much. Yeah. Well, I think it was just I don't think the score was on it at all. I think it was just all like songs that were featured in the movie. So there's like an MC Hammer Hammer song and there was like a the turtle. T-U-R-T. Yeah. The next one had Vanilla Ice on it, but I didn't get that. I wasn't. Yeah, I didn't get that one as a kid, but like definitely was like. Yeah, it was like a bunch of rap stuff, rap songs on that one um and that but then by the tape as soon as i got that tape it got like all mangled immediately like my brother put it in the in our cassette in our uh, boom box or whatever it just got for some reason it got eaten up so yeah that sucked um uh, <laughs> but i just always liked I th- I, once they kind of settled into a groove of basically treating soundtracks as these like weird compilations mm-hmm. um that were mostly new songs that they would just kind of call a popular band and say, can you make a song? Or I honestly think what it actually was, was they would scoop up like B sides or yeah. pre-release singles and stuff. And they would just kind of, cause they almost never had that much to do with anything when they no. did. It was amazing. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I always liked it because it would be like a bunch of like top 40 bands. And then there'd always be a couple things that it just seemed like either they were cheap or they were smart enough to say, we're going to try to get everybody. Like we're going to try to get like the, the freaks and the geeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so there'd be like a bunch of songs you would expect. And then there'd be like a ween song or yeah. a soul coughing song or a butthole surfer song. Yeah. Yeah. And all those songs are such strange beasts that are just out there. Yeah. Like, like if you're collecting, you know, the, the butthole surfers catalog, yeah. you gotta go like, Oh, right. There was that one song on, on, um, you know, uh, Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. I remember they had yeah, a song exactly. there. Just something you wouldn't expect it to yeah. be on at all. Well, man, I remember, I remember, well, I mean, the other thing, the other big, I mean, the other big soundtracks I remember from that era were the, uh, the Batman forever one. That one was huge. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Batman but, forever and spawn are the ones that I remember just being, yeah, they were, I they were as big as the movie in some ways. Like you, you'd see like full page advertisements just for the soundtrack. Yeah. Well, I mean, Batman forever is like one of those that like, uh, everybody, I think, bought like because it had kiss from a rose on it. it had a lot of like really big hits on it and like uh it was like huge i mean that was a huge soundtrack it was a big movie too and i think i don't know that movie felt like peak soundtrack i like that was like the, yeah because i think almost everybody i knew had a copy of that somewhere in their their car for like five years at least five years after that after it came out at least you know it's like that and the fuji's uh, the first of Fuji's album <laughs> right, was right. like one of those things that was just like you could just everybody's CD wallet had a copy of that. Um. <laughs> now, now I'm just saying, yeah. people are so hard on this movie. I, I would be hard pressed to think that if somebody actually had to sit down, actually sit down and watch Batman Forever, or sit down and watch Mario Brothers, they might think they know what they want to watch, but. Batman yeah. Forever is pretty hard to watch when you're when you're an adult. Oh yeah, well yeah, talk about like chaos and like annoying chaos shit. Like that's yeah. e- that's even worse. Like that, like the the that uh like I kind of appreciate that it goes in the opposite direction from the Burton stuff, and that's just like super colorful and and ridiculous. Mm. But it's like it's just very annoying. Like 
I think there was a quote about Tommy Lee Jones getting really just sick of Jim Carrey on set and going, I cannot right, sanction right. this buffoonery anymore. <laughs> and that's like just how I feel with those movies. Like, uh, again, I, I, I appreciate the, the, the willingness to go away from the dark noir, like German expressionist kind of thing from the first two movies. And then just going to more like a just neon, I don't know what, what, what whatever Joel Schumacher was trying to do with that. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, yeah, I, I like Joel Schumacher and oh, he's got, every he's time a- I, every time I try to watch one of them, I try to go in really open-minded and kind of go, I like campy Batman as a concept. This should be totally okay with me. And I can only ever get like 20 minutes in before like the facade breaks down. And I'm just like, I'm not having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. This it's is just, bad. Yeah. It's just exhausting and annoying. I mean, um, and like, I mean, I, I do remember as a kid, like being like, Ooh, you know, uh, Nicole Kidman being very hot. And, and then like having the, the bat, the nipples on the bat suit was a big right. deal. was a surprisingly big deal at the time. <laughs> and, and Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey playing like a villain was, was a huge deal. Oh yeah. Jim Carrey. Well, yeah. Jim Carrey was just like, that was like, he had just come off of Ace Ventura and, and Dumb and Dumber and the mask. So he was like right. unstoppable at that point. He was yeah. just like, just steamrolling over everybody. He even had to actually say, somebody stop me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. again, just drilling down into it. Um, I, I feel like, of course, those movies were great when you're a kid, but as people have, have moved on, they retain this kind of uh, affection, even if it's a reluctant affection for some of those. Yeah. And those movies are ridiculous. Like they, they, there's always these telltale things that just nobody had any idea what they were doing. Like yeah. Batman forever has um, like the scene where Chris O'Donnell basically does his laundry with like martial arts. Yes. And, yeah. it's, it's one of those scenes. It's kind of like the mutt scene, the, the vines, you oh, know, in the new yeah. Indiana Jones. The CGI yeah, like, monkeys and shit. Yeah, yeah. Like there's these, there's certain scenes that are just like, you're watching and you're just like, why is this? Well, this is a bad movie. Like it's like the, you know, the famous, quote with like a, a good movie has to have two great scenes and no bad ones yeah and like there's these movies that define what a bad scene is and i just i feel like if you revisit mario it's it's messy and it's maybe kind of clunky in pieces but there's not those moments that you're just like what the hell is going on Where, whereas like a lot of those movies from that same era especially movies that were based on properties were not only were they messy they also just had absolute goofball moments that have aged like milk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like Mario is just sort of like the consistent level of, you know, maybe kind of an, an awkward tone at times, but uh, it always kind of, you know, it, it, it's like you can track it to some degree. It doesn't go completely off the rails. I would not say it's incoherent. I mean, I found it semi watchable. I got a little, exa- <laughs> I got it exhausted after a point with a lot of like the whoa kind of style of humor, you know, it's sure. like, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got, a, I've got a note about, yeah. Some of like the comic relief in it for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just, just tying up the soundtrack stuff. Like, sure. Um, <laughs> the, the whole time I was like, am I forgetting a part where they rap? Cause it feels like one of those terrible movies where they rap it's one of those movies that feels like when you list that soundtrack, it's like that soundtrack by all means should have uh, a track 13 on it. That's, you know, do the Mario yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or like the Mario rap. Oh um, yeah. Just some completely embarrassing thing oh, that only exists to come back years later on TikTok videos or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like the, uh, like the, the dragnet song from the eighties. Like the, yeah, like the dragnet. <laughs> so yeah, it's the perfect, that's the perfect one where it's just, 
you can sort of admire just how like what the fuck it is but it's bad yeah Uh, there's there's no getting around it (laughs) and and i guess that's that's my faint praise that i'm that i'm heaping on this movie is that um by all means it should have a ridiculous uh scene and um jumping to uh i'll talk about the the blu-ray that 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 i got which has a bunch of extra stuff on it but um, one of the things on there is a work print um, that's like an early cut of the movie. And it does, unfortunately, have a an Iggy and Spike rap. Oh, um, my God. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, which, which if, if it was still in the movie, I think I would probably not be here defending the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's one of those things where there's a line and it's just like you can't you can't have the part where characters just spontaneously rap you've lost you've lost it at that point yeah yeah oh I mean, it's kind of interesting like the you mentioned of course we mentioned uh, spike and izzy uh Itty, iggy played by uh fisher stevens and richard edson of course we mm-hmm. all know those character actors been a lot of things um it's just, and, it, and it's like they're they kind of seem like they're having a little fun like 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 i like yes they're they're trying to make the most of what they're doing and it's like so I kind of appreciate what like there's a whole there's a little well I, I guess we should get back to the plot just a little bit so we, well yeah so like yeah they're the, they're these henchmen who are and, and so Mario meets Daisy and is instantly falls in love with her or whatever and uh, but these guys are trying to like find have apparently been kidnapping there's like this little minor thread in the background like there's all these women going missing from Brooklyn and so like these guys have been kidnapping women hoping to find with uh, Daisy. Uh, just, gra- just grabbing random women, yeah. taking, them, taking them back so that Koopa can be like, not that one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just stick them in a room with each other. Oh, speaking of the, when we, when we do meet all those women, the, the, the Brooklyn ladies, I, I could have sworn, and this is just like, I think, uh, you know, just a memory, like Debbie Mazar would have, should have been one of those actors, actresses, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Right. She's like one of those actors. It's like, she's uh, she was like one, um, you know, Speak, is she speaking of Batman Forever? She I think she was uh, in that one too, um, or Batman and Robin maybe. I don't know one of those. But she, uh, well, she was also of course Goodfellas, a ton of other movies and shows like as as like a, as like a Henry Hill's girlfriend in that. Um, and uh, she is uh, always playing those kinds of roles, like you know, she's with Brooklyn with New York accent, you know. And it's just like I thought for some reason I always thought she was in this movie, and I guess I just misremembered. <laughs> Cause it just seems like the kind of thing she would have been in, but no. yeah, no, yeah. I, I, um, I'm not sure if any of those went on to do other things or not, but I, I, I love them. Uh, they're, yeah. they're one of my favorite little touches to the movie that, uh, again, it goes back to kind of like the, they're reacting. Uh, they're kind of underplaying how they're reacting to yeah. the absurdity the, the same way Bob Hoskins is. Yeah. And it's very funny to me that they just kind of, they get rescued and then for a while they're just kind of tagging along behind Mario, just smoking and like talking. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's, that's, that's super funny to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that I'll, I'll just go to yeah, the comedy and Iggy and um, uh, Spike. Uh, like, yeah, the, there, there's comedy in the movie that I think works and it's the most like quiet and underplayed stuff in it. Like, yeah. like, like the Brooklyn babes that yeah, that's yeah. credited as yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. in the feature I watch. Um, and, and and just like little little things where they don't necessarily put a hat on it, like uh, even something like the bomb, um, just just yeah. there's not a big deal made out of it, but it's just funny that it's kind of this quirky little touch. Yeah. Uh, 
I think all that humor works pretty well. Yeah. And it's fun to watch the interplay between Mario and Luigi, but it's not whenever they actually kind of really try to hit a joke, um, then I'd have to agree. It's not necessarily the, the, the greatest comedy that's been captured on screen. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I, I, I think for me, it's just like, cause it's a, you know, it's like I said, the thing that really I didn't like was a lot of the, like, you know, the, that kind of, like yeah. the yelling, yelling comedy where it's just like a bunch of people yelling and moving fast or doing things. And it's like, we, it's just such an obvious case of, uh, we don't really exactly know how to really stage the scene at all. So we're just going to like have these people run around and do wacky things. Hopefully. Right. And again, oh. that's, that's completely backed up by the backstory. <laughs> like, like yeah. there was a lot of people not really knowing what was going on, what they were shooting. And, uh, Richard Edson and, um, Fisher Stevens did, uh, rewrite some of their scenes and make some stuff up. Yeah. Um, I feel oh. I, I feel weird about them because I love those two actors. Especially, oh, yeah. I, love, I, I love both of them, but Richard Edson is really, he's kind of like the ultimate just, you know, oddball character actor to just throw into something to make it immediately better. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But they, they're really, yeah, they're really like three stooging it up a lot. And yeah, yeah. they're doing a lot of like business. That's yeah. A little, it, it feels like it's, it's to help the, it's like, um, uh, bulk and skull from Power yes, Rangers. Like exactly. they're, just, they're just bumbling bad guys that are literally just kind of running into each other. And the joke is that they're really dumb. Yeah. And I don't, I don't hate it. <laughs> like it, like you said, I think the fact that they're kind of like having a good time with it comes across. Well, I think, well, I think uh, that I also think it's a little much. <laughs> yeah. You know what I, what I did like about what they do with these characters. Cause I, I don't know if that, I mean, maybe I, they, I, they introduced this little plot. I wonder if that's something that they introduced. Cause they were just tired of playing these dumb characters. So yeah. they're like, because uh, you know they have this de-evolution slash evolution beam or whatever that can change. Okay, yeah. we're getting ahead of the plot, but like the there's Devo a, chamber, yeah, the Devo, yeah, Devo. It's always funny seeing Devo up there. I'm like, <laughs> oh man, I wish they had Devo in it. Uh, uh, but yeah, there's like this little plot thread where like Koopa's really pissed off at them and wants them to make them smarter so they can actually just get the job done more easily because they're not doing it; they're just bumbling all the time. So it's like, okay, I'm gonna put you and make your brains bigger in this. Uh, uh, thing and then, and then they become really smart and then they start saying some pretty funny shit that's like pretty pretty amusing i thought because it's yeah, like yeah they do, they do like the dumb smart thing which is always fun where they're 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 still idiots but now they're using big words while they're while they're being idiots yeah yeah exactly and there's like a there's a point towards the end where it's like you know they're starting to get class war against koopa and they're like oh yeah you know we're gonna we gotta unite yeah, the proletariat so unite the proletariat <laughs> i mean that's got, right, I mean, that, right. that's gotta be stuff they added to make the music for make it music for themselves for sure yeah that that's literally like the rap song is is awkwardly trying to make that plot point land because in the movie as it is the theatrical cut it's kind of just out of nowhere they kind of switched sides yeah um in the work print that you can watch on the blu-ray there's there's a couple extra beats where because now they're smart, they're kind of thinking things through and, uh, and, and it kind of culminates in them spontaneously singing an anti-Cooper rap, which was already established by uh, Mojo Nixon's character. Oh yeah. Uh, that's as, another as being illegal. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. That's like very, feels very of that time as Mojo Nixon yeah. being, being a character. And this is like, yeah, it's it's a very odd uh, kind of person you wouldn't expect to see in a Mario movie. Yeah, uh, very very strange assembly of of people. I I, um, I don't think that they got anywhere with this, but I think originally they were hoping Tom Waits would be Toad. Um, oh wow! <laughs> I, I think I think it was so much an automatic no that I'm not sure that they even um, yeah yeah that they I, even asked. But Mojo Nixon was kind of a Tom Waits stand-in, I think. Yeah, yeah, like like the yeah, like the 
I mean, how many people had to call before they got down to like Mojo next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the second line after after Tom Waits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, speaking of, I was watching uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula recently. I hadn't seen it in a while, and like, uh, oh man, yeah, I just watched that a uh, month or so ago. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean that's such a cool movie with like the way it was made. Like that's again another movie that's like, oh wow, this is like. I mean, of course, that movie more than anything because they deliberately did everything in camera and everything and. It's just so cool the way that movie's made. Um, but yeah, John, Tom Waits as just as Renfield is just insane. And like, I can't imagine like him being in this movie. Like what, what he would bring to like Toad. Yeah, he, he <laughs> always, he always like for a guy that's not an actor as his first job, it's kind of unbelievable how much he always brings to a role. Oh yeah. So it would have definitely been a different vibe at least for those little toad scenes and then they probably would have done the goomba version of toad completely differently based on um based on what tom waits brought to it oh yeah for sure i mean oh it's funny because like uh because uh they have this de-evolution right and when they turn toad into a goomba you know he's got like like the he's got the human version has like this hair like spiral haircut thing like and uh, they give the like they give the to- the Boomba version like this little spiral mark on his ha- on his head like a yeah that's kind of like I don't know it was kind of a funny touch I thought I'm I'm pretty sure when I was a kid I didn't really track what was happening there so no I think they were I think they were really working overtime to be like this is the guy from before right um, like they put the harmonica on him and yeah I think they they do like a couple little personality touches where they're trying to sell it but. I think I I didn't really get it until I watched it as a as a grown up that um that he was he, he was a, a sensitive goomba because he was originally an anti Koopa guy. Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, these bumbling guys are looking for Daisy, and that you know, Daisy's has an archaeological dig on a site owned by the Scapellis. She takes them to see the site underground. And that's kind of like where she gets kidnapped and, and then they have to go after her into this other dimension. And it's, and it, again, it's a, it's a complete, it's a, it's an alternate Manhattan, um, which I, it took me a while to fully track that. It was like this, this exact mirror image. Like when they're, when Mario and Luigi are driving around, they know how to drive around because it's, it's Manhattan. It's just, this is dinosaur Manhattan. So yeah, yeah. Left is still left, which is an interesting idea that they kind of don't really have a lot of time to get into. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like that, 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 like if they went more into like that parallel universe thing where it's literally like a, like a sort of bizarro version instead of just like, oh, it's just an alternate dimension. It's kind of like ours. But it's dinosaurs. Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of supposed to be like where there's a bar in our Manhattan, there's this crazy bar in dinosaur Manhattan. Yeah, but yeah. they just barely give you an idea of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I-, I wasn't really sure. Like, are they on a planet? Are they underground? And I was like, oh no, it's it's a just a, like a like a super. It's meant to be like a super cluttered city, like Blade Runner or Brazil or something, where it's like all this. Yeah, they even they even show on the globe that it's it's a it's a desert earth. Yeah, that's only populated in this one little spot because the desert is too uninhabitable. The rest of the places. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, yeah, and then you know they have a bunch of misadventures here on the way to rescuing the princess and all, all sort of built around they need a piece of meteorite that keeps changing hands. That yeah. is the thing that they need to kind of merge the two dimensions back. Um, so that's pretty much the whole middle stretch is just this yeah. game of who's got the meteorite and um, yeah, everybody's kind of, and it like the going through that process is, I mean, there's some wild stuff you've got. I think they've got um, 
they've got all these crazy Mad Max cars. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. A, there's an insane car chase sequence while they're going after uh, the Mario Brothers. Yeah. Um, so that's that. As much as that's just kind of like the whole middle business of like uh, Koopa needs the meteor. They don't want to give it to him. Uh, that's where kind of all the fun stuff is. Yeah. Uh, you get them booked, which is kind of the big famous scene where um you reveal that their names are mario mario and luigi mario yeah 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 uh, which has always been a funny part of the whole uh mythos i guess it's like yeah <laughs> yeah is it, okay so are you a mario guy or a mario guy <laughs> i i don't I, I can't help but say mario just because i just feel like that's it's like too in my core yeah but I, at least when talking about this movie it should be mario I don't, I don't think this movie ever says Mario. No. Yeah, I know. It's like a lot of people say Mario. Mar- I don't know. I don't know whether like what the preferred pre- pronunciation. The, mo- the movie hits Mario pretty hard. If I'm, if I'm remembering all the beats correctly. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll just go with what the movie's doing. Well, I mean, I don't care. We could, we could say Mario. <laughs> it doesn't give a shit. Nobody cares. I have a hard time. Like, it's just, I, I think it's just because, you know, like when it first shows up, you just say it and you're a child. So it yeah. sticks a certain way. Yeah, I mean, well, in the video game, he's always said he goes, "It's a mini Mario," you know, it's Mario. Right, so, right. Some people say Mario, Mario. Right. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's it Mario feels feels right. But... Yeah, exactly. Mario always felt like something a parent would say, like yeah, that Mario Brothers, you know. Yeah, turn turn off that Mario. Yeah, what are you watching? Yeah, I, I... That Beaver and Buff Coat again? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I always wonder how much that plays into like how I felt like I was a Mario kid to some degree, but. I wasn't I wasn't quite playing the games all the time until Super Nintendo came out. Right. So it was more that I admi- admired it from afar. And I wonder how much how much of a difference there is between kids that played it around the clock from the beginning and went to see this movie versus kids that just sort of thought it seemed fun from afar like I did. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if that has any effect on it. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. I was a Sega kid, so... Uh... At least yeah, I, mean, I had Game Boy though, so I had the um, Super Mario Land for Game Boy. So, which I think is yeah. the game that introduced this character Daisy, because like it's not the same princess that's Mario's main squeeze in the other games. Right. I, I think I think I was honestly in my like 30s before I fully tracked that Daisy and Peach are two different princesses. Yeah, me too. Actually, it was, it was a lot of trial and error before I was finally like, okay, I get it. They're two different characters. Yeah, yeah. Well, a similar think, thing with I remember when I was when I was a kid, I was always very confused by the Koopa Bowser thing. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. never say Bowser in this movie, but uh generally he's more famously known as Bowser than he is as King Koopa. Yeah. I mean I think in the cartoon in the was beginning Koopa. it was yeah, it was more Koopa centric at the beginning and for whatever reason people latched onto Bowser more, but it's kind yeah. of a Bluto Brutus situation. Yeah, it's like whatever. It, it don't matter. It's just it's the same character. It's like Whatever. But, uh, but yeah, it definitely is like one of those things though. It's like kind of confusing when you see it. Oh, well, I think some of it comes from the initial uh, Japanese. Like I think Peach was, was just princess toadstool. And then like the game in the, in Japanese, in Japan, she was called peach toadstool or peach thing. Yeah. Then I, they think, start... I think that's why it was confusing the, the different names because you already had like the localization issue yeah. of different names for the same character. And then all of a sudden you've got different princesses. Yeah. It was all a little hard to track, which again was because there was very little in the way of actual literal plot that you could follow. So you were just kind of like catching as catch can with that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I I always like, like for me, part of the appeal was that 
you you would see it from afar. Like I, I could watch the show, but at first I didn't have actual direct access, so it would just be an exciting thing that I could see at my friend's house. Um, like I, I when I, I was begging for a Nintendo for a long time, and then I finally got a Super Nintendo when it came out, yeah. and I was super mad about it. Like I was like, I don't, I don't want, I don't know what this is. Oh really? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was just like, I want a Nintendo because that's what I play at my friend's house. Wow. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And it took me a while to catch up to the fact that I had the new better thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, no, I want to play what I know about. Not like, I don't care about the future. Yeah. I care about like the things that I've already been exposed to, but yeah, super Mario world. Yes. Was that, was that first game, which was yeah. a pretty huge jump for just in terms of like, yeah what they could do with that and to some degree how much they were sort of like coloring in that world. Yeah. I believe that's a, that is actual, the actual game that introduced the character of Yoshi and the dinosaur thing. Yeah. Which was exciting an exciting character for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, in the game it's fun. Cause you can like, uh, you're jumping around and like, uh, uh, eating berries or whatever. I don't know. Eating yeah. bad guys and spitting them out. And so that's fun um when when uh when they get when they put daisy in this movie into um uh confinement um sort of with the other missing brooklyn girls uh yoshi is also in confinement with her yeah which is one of the biggest like direct nods to the game instead of kind of a sideways nod to the game yeah yeah like even that is so abstract because it's not really like any yoshi that you would be familiar with no no it's it's this really amazing puppet like it's a clearly like uh a lot of money went this puppet it's like uh i think patrick totopoulos did the creature effects he's uh he did uh he went on to do independence day he he worked a lot with like roland emmerich and stuff but he also did like gotcha He also did like production design on Dark City and stuff like that. I mean, he's got some cool stuff oh, okay. out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, it's a really sophisticated, cool-looking puppet. It's, I mean, it's almost, it's pretty much almost as good as anything in Jurassic Park, really. But... Yeah, I, I, th- I think that you could drop it in a Jurassic Park and nobody would really blink an eye. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's cuter. Like it's, it's more designed to be kind of like kid friendly. But again that for me that was part of the appeal was that it it, it looked kind of like a cute dinosaur but also kind of raw yeah uh, it's, it's like, scaling like, yeah yeah they didn't they didn't scale back on the fact that he was still a dangerous dinosaur yeah um, yeah so yeah i think you can either react to that like that's not my yoshi or you can be you know i remember being in the theater and being like oh shit yoshi's here <laughs> like, yeah was such a huge character and so when it shows up even in that kind of you know uh side route kind of way um yeah i still latched onto it right away and and that's again that's one of the most direct like most of the references to the game are super abstract yeah um sometimes even in the background yeah well it's like the Um, fungus fungus for example like uh like like i guess because you know the game you're just you eat you eat fungus you're jumping around there's mushrooms in the background i mean like there's things like that but like it's not like the the mushrooms really have i mean i guess toad is a well toad is a character in the game i guess so like you are uh interacting with him a little bit in the game i don't know it's usually just him telling you oh no princess in another castle or something i don't know i haven't played the original mario brothers all the way through ever like i've played it but i haven't like ever finished it or anything yeah i mean there's yeah there's just mushrooms around in a totally ambiguous way i mean it's it's the mushroom kingdom yeah but not a whole lot of uh explanation for you know how much does that involve sentient mushrooms <laughs> how, yeah. how much of that is exactly is, 
just because it's the mushroom kingdom, we've got this one mushroom guy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's odd, but, uh, yeah, I mean, even so, so when they're, again, when they're on this chase for, uh, the meteorite, the woman that ends up with it is uh big Bertha. Yeah. Apparently was supposed to be based on like the red fish from, from Mario. Huh. So stuff like that is so abstract. I don't think most fans would have even picked up on it. No, Uh, no. But there's a lot of little bits like that that are just, uh, you know, there's like a part where they've got, uh, they hold up uh, crates over their head, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of a nod to uh, block busting. Um, Yeah. But, but yeah, there's, there's stuff like that that's just sprinkled through it. That's just the very slightest little uh, um, poke in the direction of the game. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny though. Like I was thinking, yeah, since, you know, Mario, the Mario uh, mythos, <laughs> just, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, 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 the character, you know, since Donkey Kong was the, like where the character of Mario originated, or at least the prototype of Mario, uh, uh, you know, cause like Mario started off as like this, like just this character, the character you play as in the Donkey Kong game. Right. Right. But, uh, and so like, it's just called jump right, which jump man right right yeah and then they made a game with that character called mario brothers and then the nintendo version nes version was called super mario brothers because it's like here's the new improved version and that's like where the super mario stuff comes from there is a way like if you this is just dorky this is just dorky like what if fan fiction here but uh if you like continued with the uh de-evolution ray thing you could like sort of like do an in-universe version of donkey kong with this like make you know Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, like make an ape man because like there is a whole thing like one of the few times I genuinely laughed laughed out loud. <laughs> it's like towards the end where like the the well, it's not really a spoiler because we're going all over the place. But um, yeah, yeah, the, the Scapelli, the the mobbed up guy, gets uh, is, uh turned into a <laughs> turned into a chimpanzee. <laughs> he evolved right. into a chimpanzee, and it's like for some reason I had to laugh at it. It's just. Well, yeah. I- the the button on it is Dennis Hopper just goes monkey. Yes. <laughs> also, 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 the the best part is the de-evolution gun is a super scope, which is oh I didn't even pick that up. No, it is literally a painted black super scope, like the the from the from uh you know the from the Nintendo Super Nintendo. You know it was like the light gun thing accessory. Gotcha. Uh, it was the next generation the next generation Super Nintendo sixteen bit era light gun. It was like kind of a pretty cool oh, that's funny yeah 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 but it's like they just i maybe maybe they just got a discount from nintendo because it's like yeah <laughs> and they're like yeah well I, well I might as well use it in the movie i don't know but uh i mean i don't i mean it was probably an intentional nod to obviously uh but it was just kind of funny that but yeah literally they're using they're using these these super scopes yeah i mean really like in terms of the plot i mean there's not even that much like there's a lot of there's a lot of busy work but uh it, it rushes towards um a pretty extended finale that's yeah. going back and forth between our dimension and theirs. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's a little chaotic. Like the, the, uh, Koopa's cornered like five different times and there's a lot of back and forth and I appreciate it cause it's noisy and, uh, lots of explosions and fireballs and stuff, but, uh, it, it, it goes on for a while, which again was setting the template for, <laughs> the future of uh superhero movies where yeah um the big showdown is always like 20 minutes too long what was the movie i saw the last superhero thing i saw what did i see what was the most recent one to come out like oh ant-man 
Okay. Oh, right. I didn't even see that yet. No, I mean, I remember liking the first one enough, and then the second one was kind of cute. There's some funny bits in both of those movies. I mean, yeah. uh, some funny people in it, you know? Um, right, right. Like this, there's a lot of cool design work, but I, man, I, that movie, God, I just, I'm, I, I yeah, I'm not even going to bother with any Marvel shit anymore. I cannot stay, stand this shit anymore. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of like what happened with this movie. Uh, I mean, not, not comparing their qualities, but just in terms of the buzz on it was so instantly disastrous that it made it hard. I think, I mean, I, I, I kind of just immediately slept on it because nobody seemed excited about it, but the extra element to it is that now they're, you know, almost three hours long. So you have to go, Oh, it's a three hour movie that no one likes. Y'all rush right out to the theater. Exactly. Exactly. It gets so hard to be motivated to go to it. Yeah. Um, And I was thinking too about just like, I know people had a lot of thoughts about, the weirdness of like the Modoc character in, in that new anime, yeah. which I was just thinking about while I was watching this because, or at least while I was watching some of the behind the scenes stuff, like I was saying with, you know, behind the scenes of this movie and some of those early, other early nineties things, it's such a fun, interesting, surreal touch to see these oddball creations kind of walking around in, in, you know, flesh world. Uh, yeah. And, and that's something that, yeah, you really do kind of miss. Like if, if, if the Modoc thing had been, a bizarre little uh, thing like a, that they had made with like servos in it and spinning yeah. gadgets and stuff. Then even as grotesque as it was, I think that you just get that extra feeling of the fact that, Oh, somebody made this crazy thing and put it into reality. Yeah. Uh, that's exciting and fun. Yeah. Whereas when it just feels like it was kind of, you know, Photoshopped in, it, it makes it kind of feel sort of arbitrary, but I'm saying that as somebody that hasn't even seen it. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the only interesting thing is just that when you look at those movies being made, it's just bored people standing in front of green screen. Yeah, um, exactly. There's very little of that with these earlier movies. And for yeah. better or worse, I think you just you you feel that it's a little bit more fun in that other realm. But yeah, I mean, the, the general uh, word on Marvel movies is getting pretty... It's not... Yeah, there's nothing revolutionary we can say anymore about it. One more thing about that, the Marvel thing. I think that my breaking point was last year. I went to go see Doctor Strange and I was like, okay, Sam Raimi's doing this. It might be a little fun. And there's like some kind of fun, inventive things in it. But like, still, it's just plugged into this digital machine. Everything's about this impenetrable multiverse stuff now. I'm fine with multiverse stories up to a point, but like we've got to the point where like, I mean, there's still another DC movie coming out with multiverse shit. The best picture of the year supposedly got was of all about multiverses and stuff. I like that movie. Okay. The everything everywhere all at once, but like, yeah, it was pretty good. But I, I, um, you know, multiverse fatigue is it's a good, never thought I would ever say that as a yeah, thing. It was, it was, it was unfortunate timing for that. Cause I don't, I don't think they really knew when they started going down that oh, path, no. but it was yeah. going to be so proliferated at that point, but yeah, yeah. at least, yeah, it's a good example of, um, here's how crazy you could be getting with that concept. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, like Dr. Strange was pretty vanilla, except for a couple of extra Raimi. Yeah. Yeah. Few, very yeah, few I, I, was kind of, I was kind of disappointed by his return to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, um, yeah. And so like, I don't know. And I saw the black Panther sequel. I was like, what the, I was like, what the is the point of this movie? It's just like, yeah, it was pretty boring, pretty boring. Yeah. Um, and like even the underwater shit wasn't as good as Aquaman. Aquaman was at least had kind of had a goofy charm to it. Yeah, I I, remember, I realized like a couple of days after I watched that one, I couldn't remember who the bad guy was. 
Right. And it was Namor. It was a Namor, like a huge, yeah. one, of the, one of the first original, like big time comic people. And I just couldn't remember. I was just like, what, what were they doing in that one? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was literally like, it hadn't even been 48 hours since I had seen it. And I was just like, yeah. yeah, who were they fighting? What were they doing? Yeah. So, you know, you'd have to say, uh, as, as iffy as, as someone might be on Dennis Hopper here, you're not going to forget that Dennis Hopper was the bad guy. <laughs> it does stay in the memory. Uh, I mean, there's some, I mean, there's some funny, some, I mean, I like, like, I like the movie's interpretation of the Goombas from the game, which are like this in the game. They're just like these walking carnivorous mushrooms or whatever. There's, you know, they're just guys you jump on. I mean, everyone, right. everyone who's played this knows this, but you know, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, from the ground up interpretation. I think it's like, they start from square one and just go like, what is a Goomba in this world? Yeah. And come up with something pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I kind of probably the most memorable. Like probably if there's anything that's kind of semi iconic from this, it's probably the Goombas. Yeah, yeah, because like like in in this one, they're just like uh, people who are dinosaur people that have been subjected to the uh, de evolution gun or whatever, and have been turned into uh, these like dumb, you know, foot soldiers who are just like with tiny pinheads and like big, huge uh, bodies and like a kind of like a crazy outfit on top of that, like a coat and spikes and stuff it looks it's it's a it's a the movie has some fun with those too like they actually that was actually one of the areas of the movie that like i really actually did enjoy because like there's a kind of a humorous scene where uh mario and luigi are in an elevator like yeah with, with them and he's trying to get him to the, do this dance he's just trying to make them because go along with the music because they're just dumb and they just follow the rhythm of the music. it's just it was funny i don't know yeah for sure i think that's probably the most famous scene of the of that movie um and, and definitely the one that when i was a kid i, I that i yeah I, I locked into that a lot and i i think so much of it is just that you've got the different goomba design like there's kind of like two breeds of the goombas but even within that they all look a little different and have some personality mm-hmm. um, yeah so again it's one of those where like they're, they're all being individually puppeteered. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got this wacky kind of Muppety design where it's like a guy in a big suit. And then on top of, on top of the human's head, there's like a whole other contraption. Um, and, and so you just, yeah, you get a very like interesting looking puppet, um, like a, a mixture of a full size puppet with like a robotic puppet. Yeah. Exactly, and it's like, and and again, you get you get what they are. They're just like henchmen type guys, and like if they serve the same kind of function as they do in the game, basically. So it it is a cool. That's a cool adaptation choice. Uh, the other kind of interesting adaptation uh, choice was the fungus. Like I, as we said earlier, like it's it's very abstracted from the game, but it is kind of like an interesting through through line through the movie because like there's like this fungus that has grown is growing all over the city and is actually helping mario and luigi along the way with stuff and uh which is like you know kind of an interesting way of dramatizing the uh like the thing in the game where you you know because you take a mushroom makes you grow big and you get benefits from the mushrooms so it's like that's their way of doing it with this right there i don't think there's any scene where they eat mushrooms though are there i don't think so they 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 take mushrooms a few times but not not in the the drug sense uh, yeah they, they take them by hand um but it's a little unclear as to what the purpose of that is except that it's communicating with them but yeah i mean it's it's a wild idea that there's this sentient thing um crawling all over the whole set um 
and then it, it, it turns out to be Lance Hendrickson. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was one thing was like, okay, yeah, so, yeah, and it's mentioned pretty early on that people, that, like, it, uh, that people think this fungus is probably the de-evolved version of the former king who has been overthrown by Koopa. And, yeah. and like, okay, so, and so that's why he's helping them because he wants to, you know, he's like a, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a, he's just a nice benevolent king underneath all this. But like, uh, the thing that I think I was thinking it'd be funnier if they just had kept that towards the, that revelation towards the end. But I feel like they felt like maybe it was too confusing. So they, yeah. so they just keep mentioning out, out loud, like, oh yeah, some people think this fungus might be the former king. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's definitely one of those where they they had to over explain it a little bit because it was such a wild idea. Yeah, but it's I mean, I think that I think that aspect of it is fun to watch unfold because the the fungus design is pretty like gnarly. Yeah. Um, and then you it takes you a while to figure out what exactly is going on because you don't expect a sort of grotesque design like that to be a good guy. Right. So um it's sort of a fun ride to go along with uh like i think at first you're kind of more on mario's side where luigi's like i think this thing's trying to help us and you're like i don't know man that seems pretty wild yeah um, but then it gives them bob bombs and other fun things and yeah yeah it's an interesting way to do that for sure yeah for sure and like like you said at the end it's revealed to be lance Henriksen, who's like in there for <laughs> literally like a few seconds yeah like how? Yeah, I think I think that was a Roland Joffe connection. Like he was going to be in like a real movie and just did it did it did it as a favor. Oh, okay. Uh, but he, I think he took a lot of relish in playing such a bizarre moment. I was wondering, is that like a a part that was like cut down, you know, or like from a larger? Yeah, no, I, I think I think that I think it was just like he did a favor and showed up for like five minutes. Yeah, yeah, it was like very unexpected. <laughs> I was like, I because I, I remembered the being okay, yeah, because I remembered the the king being somebody who recognizable, but it had been like years since I've seen this movie until I yeah, I was like, oh fuck, Lance Henriksen, really? <laughs> right? And it's a crazy. I mean, the whole thing is a crazy visual because um, the fungus sort of like opens up at the throne like you can sort of visualize the way that it started at the throne and then just crept upward and then outward through the entire place like kudzu mm -hmm. uh, yeah yeah which is just sort of an interesting visual and then whenever they talk to him before he's he's um changed back it's this gross bizarre effect where like i think actually somebody behind the scenes was saying that it's one of the directors i think was saying that it's like a testicle descending yeah yeah uh, when, he, when he like comes out like he's he's all over the place but he also has this sort of core uh right above his throne that can yeah. just sort of like drop out and it's sort of a crazy like something from like like the movie terror vision or something just like a yeah like a, like a big messy thing which okay i i love all that crazy stuff and just partially because again my mom went took me to see this everybody had their parents dragged to this movie and it really amuses me to just think of all the parents at this movie that were just like this movie is gross and weird and ridiculous yeah and i don't want to be i don't want to be here <laughs> yeah 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 well i it's, i was thinking about like it's kind of interesting that there's that there is kind of like this weird through line of not through line uh, this weird um, trend of gross things being made into heroic kids characters or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I, it's probably not a thing. I don't know. I'm just thinking. Oh, that. This, this is like the Toxic Avenger animated series. Yeah, or, or just like the, the idea of the Ninja Turtles. Like, there's these things that right, live, in, right. live in the sewer. Like, they should be smelling horrible. 
you know like they should be terrible <laughs> right, right. you I know sw- swamp thing i guess is kind of the the most classic oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's like there's there's no there's no um they don't back away from the gross organic elements of his existence but he's also benevolent yeah exactly i mean i mean it's just what it, it's just interesting i don't know yeah it's just, uh this is obviously not like the most major version of that or most like prominent but it's just an interesting example of like okay it's this gross thing is actually your buddy or something <laughs> or whatever on your side i guess yeah these gross yeah i don't know interesting um but yeah the uh yeah, and then, you know, there's like a lot of back and forth. Uh, is Fiona Shaw is Koopa's henchwoman girlfriend? I don't know what the hell she's doing. Yeah, she's kind of like um, she she calls herself the queen. But oh, yeah. It's never. I don't. I don't think she is. I think she's just sort of a, a hanger on. Yeah, yeah. She's like the uh, the um. Well, yeah. Well, Cooper's like I guess styled as like this di- dictator. So he's like this guy who took mm-hmm. over, deposed the king. And so, you know, uh, which inter- is interesting, politically speaking, because it's like, okay, are we pro-monarchist here? You know, are we uh, anti, you know, are we, are we, are we <laughs> are anti-monarchist? Right. They, want, they, want, they want to go back to the traditional monarch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was a good king. <laughs> yeah, so that's the thing. He was a good king. They just want a good king. That's all. Yeah, yeah. So this is like, a, you could probably interpret this as royalist propaganda if you squint at it hard enough. But <laughs> I don't think that's... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just yeah. I don't think anybody's thinking about that when they're making this, but uh, well, uh, but yeah, this is um, but yeah, so like there's like a lot of going back and forth. I I don't remember every beat that happens because it's like there's a lot of chaos. Yeah, I mean it's, it's basically like there's a big battle for um the uh the meteorite, but then Fiona Shaw actually already has it and starts the process of merging the dimensions. Um, which sets off a lot of other butterfly effect things. Um, and then, yeah, they're bouncing back and forth between dimensions, but ultimately um, they de-evolve uh, Koopa. Yeah. And he becomes a T-Rex. Yeah. Order, order is sort of restored. Yeah. You know, if we do get to see the T-Rex form of him very briefly and before mm-hmm. he's like turned into goop. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of one of those that they don't quite touch on, but, they keep threatening to turn him into a dinosaur. Yeah. And it's like, well, if he was a dinosaur, he'd be much more powerful. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Like if I actually made him a, like what full T like full Jurassic Park yeah. style T-Rex or something, but it feels sometimes like they're like, um, we'll turn him into a harmless T-Rex. That'll solve everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, those, uh, big giant things that could eat me. Yeah. It's really harmless. Uh, I, yeah. Like, he uh it's like yeah then there's like a climax they're going back and forth between dimensions with this rustling over the meteorite and like going back and forth and then they get transported and this is like where koopa shoots a gun at scapelli and like somehow they're transported back to the the dig site or something it's kind of yeah yeah i i think that once they start merging it's like now now they can sort of step into the same spot in our dimension right so they bounce back and forth but yeah it's it definitely gets a little uh unwieldy at that point for sure and um there's also like this funny thread of like the 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 brooklyn babes or mario escaping with them through like the on a mattress through like this tunnel and like the goombas are coming after (laughs) it's like 
that I, that was kind of amusing. I don't know. Yeah, the tunnel the tunnel scene's a lot of fun, and 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 again, it's like they they have to they have to get pipes in there somehow. So that's like their big pipe scene. Yeah, 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 and um, yeah, and like you know, bad guy, you know, the good good prevails at the end. They defeat. Yeah, yeah, they def- they. And uh, Daisy has to make the choice, the hard choice of staying back with her kingdom to, you know. Right. Or something. And he, Luigi's like, <laughs> heart, so heartbroken. You could, and he, and like, he did, I genuinely felt for Luigi in this. It's like, well, this is kind of sad. <laughs> you just met this this this, uh, this girl who you'd click with. And it's like, no. I don't know. I mean, it, was a, it was a genuinely complicated uh, situation. Yes. Sometimes, in, sometimes in those moments, it feels very um, arbitrary, like kind of like just make the obvious choice but um it was a little like can he really not see that um yeah. her dad just came back yeah like, yeah she's she's got some bit maybe call her next week for yeah God's sake. yeah she's got she's yeah she's got to learn a bit about her background her identity like her like she's yeah. just a lot she's she just got... she just found out she's a dinosaur yeah <laughs> exactly give her, give her a second that uh, that's funny though because luigi it doesn't phase him one bit though as far as like his feelings about her like right. <laughs> yeah um and so that it's so then we get like the i really like the little the little button the uh the back to the future style um, oh yeah yeah everything's done and then she kind of kicks in the door with the guns like uh i need your help you're not gonna believe this guys i'm gonna need your help yeah exactly those like um see you next time moments are simultaneously like the corniest thing you can do in a movie and also super fun to me i i always think it's fun yeah well, it's also kind of a weirdly poignant when a when it, when it's like a movie that didn't become a franchise after this, right. you know. It's like it's like I've always, I've always wanted to see like a supercut of every movie that did like um like a very obvious hanging thread um for a movie that you know didn't work. <laughs> yeah, uh, like I think there was one in um that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even remember anything about that movie to say, but I I remember that there was like a a very distinct um moment at the end that looks hilarious when you when you realize that it was dead on arrival yeah yeah and uh and like well you know i i do it does make you wonder like what this like if this movie had been successful like financially successful how like would they have gone like more i mean i'm sure they would have incorporated more things from the other games like would we get to see like bob hoskins in a raccoon suit you know <laughs> right, right. I would love to see that. That'd be so funny. I don't know. That would be great. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, I love it. Like, even though it's like you can kind of laugh at it, like look at them like thinking there was gonna be more, but even if there's not even if it's not a tie to a sequel, it's like it's just fun to sort of like a you know, they're they're still doing whatever they're doing over there. Yeah. Uh, like I, I like that sort of circular um something else is gonna happen. Just we'd we'd we're not gonna be there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. There was not yeah. enough financial incentive for the world to be invited to that party, but yeah. that party is happening. <laughs> yeah, well, on that note, there's a there's a part at the end, right? Uh, well, actually, after the credits, there's a post credit sequence where did yeah. you did you yeah? And it's like I did, yeah, 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 and it's like uh, this is kind of amusing. Um, so I trying to remember the like, keeping score of where all, where all the characters were, what happened, like. Is it Iggy? Iggy. Yeah, I- Iggy, Iggy, and Spike sort of fully join the um, team Mario. Yeah. By the end, and then the the impression that it's sort of left with is that Dino Hatton is back to normal, which is still pretty unruly. But it's like their kind of unruly. Like it's, I, I think that's a message that you kind of pick up 
if you pay enough attention is that it's not like they're going to be this like uh, sunshine and daisies place. Now they're still crazy. It's just that now there's not a guy telling them what they got to do every day. So I, I think Iggy and, and Spike are kind of back to just like, uh, you know, dopes around town. Like yeah. just living their life. Yeah. Well, we, well the, 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 little, the little button at the end here is like, they are in a, they're just talking to these uh, Japanese video game designers. I think literally was, uh, what's his name? Miyamoto. The guy created Mark. Mario is one of them, right? I believe. I, I can't remember if they tried to get the correct people and failed, or if they really did. But that's, uh, that's the implication is that it's a couple of Nintendo guys. Yeah, yeah, and like this, and like the, the idea is like, oh, this is where the video game come from. You know, it's like yeah. I guess yeah, you know, which is interesting. It's kind of like oh, it's kind of like how the movie, the Cronenberg movie version of Naked Lunch is kind of like about the writing of Naked Lunch. Right, right. Uh, uh, and this is <laughs> a weird comparison, but. Maybe not entirely an app because uh, it is about you know there's lots of creature effects in that one too. I mean, uh, if, if this if this isn't the naked lunch of video game movies, <laughs> then you got to show me which movie is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So like it's kind of about the making of it. But there's the funny bit where like yeah we have this idea. So Iggy and Spike are pitching their their version of a video game to these game designers. They're like right. So what would you call this video game? And they're like, Super Koopa Cousins. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's dumb as hell, but I, I, I had to laugh. Yeah. I think that there's an allowance for post credits uh, to be a little bit of a dumb joke, but. Absolutely. Yeah, it's fun. So, I mean, that actually ties in more than you would expect to the vision for this movie that I think didn't quite go as planned. So Annabelle Jenkel and Rocky Morton, again, the main directors, um, they were really hung up on that scene was kind of like an, an alternate version of what they wanted to do, which was that the whole movie for them was leading up to um, the reveal that this is the real story that the game was based on. Yeah. So, and that apparently was very important to them and they were frustrated that that didn't get in there. I kind of think it's a dumb idea um, to at least make like a main plot point. Like as a joke, it's fine. But I think that their thing was that they wanted to explain within the movie why it was so different (laughs) (laughs) like they were like this is what really happened yeah Um, and then like yeah nintendo is kind of like we want to make a game like that so then it becomes a reverse thing it's like all the ways that they have these abstract references to the game it's like no the video game's got abstract references to this thing that actually happened yeah and i kind kind of understand that's like a a very specific take on it but honestly kind of glad that's not what it was and it was funny again tying it back into ninja turtles there's a lot of things that do that um, that has a similar deleted scene where oh. almost the exact same scene is, is uh, um, April and Casey go to Mirage Studios and are like, we got a great idea for a comic. You can watch it online. Oh, really? And similar thing. It's kind of like, it's kind of funny, but it also completely like breaks down what little fabric of reality you've got. Like, yeah, you're, yeah. You're on a pretty thin thread when you're, when you've got Ninja Turtles as your characters. Yeah. So I think that it breaks down a little more. The yeah. other connection there is, um, I was saying that they didn't directly reference, they didn't directly say they wanted to be like Ninja Turtles, but I just remembered that the taglines were, the Ninja Turtles tagline was, this is no cartoon, I think was the syntax on it. Yeah. And the Mario Brothers campaign was, uh, this ain't no game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pretty, pretty much doing the exact same bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which is kind of like I don't know. Is that really what you how you want to get across to the audience? Because it's like, but then again, I don't know. But like, 
like do you do you how much do you want to divorce this from the source material for the audience? right you know it's like yeah the um the trailer that that pitches that this ain't no game thing is pretty wild if you watch it it's like a super kinetic almost kind of like dr strange love trailer editing style or it's just like fast cut crazy cuts very in your face and like punk rock like yeah punk rock than the movie is yeah um and it definitely i i think it looks fun but i think that it might have turned people off a little bit because it, it doesn't look like mario and it looks a little aggressive um yeah and then I, I i think that this kicked off so i think roger ebert was well both uh siskel and ebert both gave it two thumbs down and I think they were a big part of, you know, they had a lot of control at that point and they right out of the gate were like, this is the worst movie ever. And <laughs> I think Ebert's quote was like, do not take your kids to this. And I think that hurt it a lot because it was like the, the, you know, the loudest critical voice coming right out of the gate and saying like, don't go. Yeah. Uh, and that really started his entire, that like he like railed against video games just as a concept for his entire critical career. Yeah, well, I think well, I think it had to do with like being confronted with like, oh, video games are art, and him like going, I mean, no, really, are they? Show me, show me how they're art, you know. And it's, right. It just became this constant thing that he was constantly saddled with, like having to answer to. And so he's yeah. So, so I, he, for whatever reason, that was like a hill that he uh, died on. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that that was you know right at the forefront of that where he seemed to be very frustrated that they were even bothering to use a video game as a source for a movie. So he was just against it from the word go. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I think just the entire campaign being linked into video games and there was a lot of the whole discourse on our video games, hurting our kids had already kind of oh. had a full effect. So yeah, yeah. there was a lot of like mixed messages about whether or not kids should go see this. Um, yeah. But I think, pretty detrimental um so i I mean just like finding the tone for this movie which i know is not exactly they didn't exactly do it but uh it's definitely fascinating just to again take the ride from like that rain man version drain man uh to to, like um to then they did like the kids version like from the flintstones guys then they did like kind of like a dark fantasy like kind of like a ridley scott or, or that one was more directly like um batman the ba- batman 89 was like an early like let's do it like that yeah um and then some of these so there's this great website called smbmovie.com as in super mario brothers mm-hmm. and they're like the hero king mario movie nerds like they basically have like an archive of oh. all these original like storyboards and um Interesting. production photos and everything and they've actually got a ton of these drafts that come up again and again when you're sort of reading about the, the production history of this movie. They unfortunately don't have the Rain Man one, but they have a lot of these other ones, which um, at a certain point, the drafts basically just became defined by the studio saying, do it more like this. So you've got like, make it more like Wizard of Oz, make it more like Ghostbusters, make it more <laughs> like Die Hard, make it more like Mad Max, make it more like a Disney princess movie. And those literally, like, those were all instructions where a writer had to go yeah. from the ground up, go, now it's Mario as John McClane yeah. and, and, oh and make all those. And and you, the, it's funny if, you know, I make that list and you can see all those pieces in there. I mean, especially Absolutely. You know, a lot of Mad Max got in there. Yeah. Um, 
Disney actually came on, um, which is part of the problem is that Disney was like a late, uh, sub, uh, a late financer. Right. Um, and they started immediately shaking things up. Yeah. And, uh, and it, I mean, it was a huge mess. I guess it's, it's, it's no wonder that people had a hard time with it because the, so basically they started putting together the directors completely storyboarded everything based on what they thought was a finished script. They built props and they built sets based yeah. on what they thought was a finished script. Um, this was all done in Wilmington, North Carolina. Yes. Yeah. That's what I was like saying, because that's also where the turtle movies were shot. Yeah. So they, they, they basically found this huge concrete plant and just built. Um, I mean, they, they built this world like it, it existed like you could walk around in it. Yeah. Um, and it looks crazy. Like when you look at pictures and you look at some of the the shots of them filming, it's like they, they literally went to this alternate dimension yeah. and, and made the movie is essentially what happened. Um, so 10 days before filming, um, just all the different suits involved kind of decided we don't really like the direction this is going. So they brought on Ed Solomon. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. He'd, uh, he'd co-creator of Bill and Ted and um, wrote them in in black movie. Yeah. Um, kind of honestly like a pretty great like if you need like a guy to just do like a nice clean like blockbuster type movie yeah um i i like ed solomon he's usually pretty funny and usually has like some pretty creative ideas well on paper yeah that sounds great because like you know bill and ted and men in black both visual con- i mean yeah. those those movies i mean i'm not a big fan of men in black actually but uh, at least for a lot of people that that one works i love the first bill and ted movie oh actually i like the boat the first two I don't know. I haven't seen. I haven't seen the other one, but yeah, definitely like those movies. At least on paper, would like say, "Oh yeah, this guy can do this kind of thing." This kind of yeah, like- and uh, I think Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey was actually a pretty big. There's exactly. there's several crew members of that that got carried over to this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can kind of see at least visually, not so much the comedy tone, but at least like the just weird, bizarre, yeah. chaotic vibe is definitely kind of a similar yeah. note. Um. But yeah, I mean, yeah, so so he he rewrote the script and it, it was different enough that it kind of just completely blew all their plans. So oh, wow. then they had to basically <laughs> rewrite that script to um, I think the way they said it was they had to kind of retrofit it to what they already had made. So yeah. they already had sets. They already had stuff in motion. Yeah. So they had to kind of go, well, there's literally no way without spending extra millions of dollars that we can just completely change scripts. So they basically had to meet halfway. And then, then they brought on more writers to just hang out on set. Oh and, God. <laughs> and rewrite as they went. So literally they would show up to set and not know what the lines were. And that was, that was the cause of the big Dennis Hopper blow up is um, he showed up knowing his lines and they were like, those aren't the lines anymore. And he flipped out, which, you know, he's a professional actor. Like what, what, what do you expect he's going to do? Yeah. It's a little, it's understandable. It's very, it's very irritating. It's very, I mean, that's, I mean, uh, God is nothing worse than showing up to like, work or something and then nobody's at the wheel yeah the, the plan's totally different right but i mean the those the those two directors are the kind of the ones that caught the flack for that not working but it it i mean pretty much by everybody's report it was like they were kind of holding on the best that they could the, yeah the guy rocky morton the guys who storyboarded the whole thing he said he had like a ritualistic burning of his storyboards because none of them applied anymore oh and man the way they kind of say it is that they were literally just flying by the seat of their pants the whole time. Just, just showing yeah. up to set and going, what are we going to do now? Which as disjointed as it sometimes feels, I don't think it feels that disjointed. Yeah. So, yeah. It's kind of remarkable that it did turn out. Yeah. With any I think coherence. That, they, that they might be again, kind of like Bob Hoskins, like it seemed okay when he was there, 
But as time went on, he called it, yeah, like the biggest, he, he called it the biggest mistake of his life. He said it was like the number one thing he regretted. Um, he kind of called the directors idiots, uh, yeah. which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, but I think that it was a mixture of, you've got different writers on set, you've got different suits on set and everybody's kind of saying something different and the plan changes every single five, mm-hmm. every, every five minutes. Yeah. Uh, and like John Leguizamo. Uh, so John Leguizamo and Samantha Mathis are a little kinder to it, but again, it was a bigger, it was a bigger, uh, leg up for them. So they didn't have quite the clout that a Dennis Hopper would to kind of go, this is bullshit. Yeah. But, um, they're a little nicer about how it went down, but even they were sort of like, yeah, it was, it was a mess. Uh, John Leguizamo had an interesting thing in the, um, the behind the scenes documentary where, he said there was stuff where literally one guy would come up to him and say, can you do it a little bit less funny? And then somebody else would come up and say, can you make it funnier? <laughs> they're, they're, they were both like important money guys. And so, yeah. and, and it was, so it's like the director would tell him something. The other director would tell him something. Uh, a big money guy would tell him something and they'd all be conflicting. So that pretty much resulted in just Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo supposedly just drinking in their trailer all day long. Yeah. And, just showing up to set and kind of winging it, which I think you kind of feel in a good way sometimes. Like uh, they don't have necessarily amazing banter, but they have natural banter. They they, they yeah. kind of feel like they're just hanging out. They do have they a. Were. They were just they were just kind of screwing around. Yeah, they do actually have. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, it's not a, like you said, not amazing or explosive, but they do have a little bit of a a, a little bit of chemistry camaraderie going on. There. Yeah, I think I think sure. that they they seem like like they seem, I mean, just the whole world seems lived in and a yeah. lot of the relationships seem kind of like they're settled into those relationships. They don't, they don't seem like they just met on set. Right. Uh, yeah. They seem like they've kind of got a camaraderie going on and a, a way of talking to each other. Some of the stuff in the movie, like include, like you were talking about the elevator scene being kind of a highlight. Um, they were saying that that was an example of something that was completely made up. Like, yeah. Um, nobody, nobody storyboarded it or even said it was going to be a thing. Um, they just, there was like a hole in the script where it was like, how do they get from this place to this place? And they just made up the elevator thing over lunch. Um, that works. That may be somebody kind of saying, here's this genius thing that I did. But again, it's, it's probably the most well-known sequence from that movie. And, and supposedly it was completely just made up on the spot. Um, I think that parsley comes from, they also talk a little bit about how the Goombas were supposed to just be kind of background goons. And then uh, they were such fun. There was such a fun design that they ended up being kind of brought to the foreground. And there's a lot of Goomba stuff in it, including yeah. that big sequence. Um, yeah. So I think that's part of what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's obviously one of the more funny sequences. in the movie. <laughs> yeah. One is like the actual, like, Oh, this is actually kind of, a genuinely humorous thing that actually makes me laugh versus like, Oh, okay. Okay. And a a good combination of just kind of like the different, um, strengths that they've got, including, you know, you've got these weird creature designs and, um, you've got kind of like a weird light touch and the, just the vibes, but then it's also kind of like a dark, weird movie and all that stuff sort of coalesces a few times and in nice ways. Um, yeah. In terms of just how I, mean, I think it was just again a, a too many cooks in the kitchen situation. Oh, absolutely, making everybody super stressed. So, and you've got Roland Joffe, as we mentioned, um, kind of a big serious director who this was honestly kind of his passion project more than anybody else. 
Um, Which is so funny. <laughs> I know, very, very bizarre. I, I kind of got the impression that the only reason he didn't direct it is because he kind of sensed that it was not his way out of his wheelhouse yeah. and, and also that it would just look weird to have to have him doing it but robert altman did popeye so it's like i mean yeah right right you know <laughs> i i think it would have been kind of a genius move to um to to he did a few other movies after killing fields but what a filmography to, to work your way from the killing fields to super mario brothers <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he kind of did he was he was basically on set making decisions um and it's kind of implied that they kicked the directors off towards the end and Roland and Jaffe, among other people, were sort of running the show at that point. Yeah. Um, it sound, I mean, it sounds like chaos. The, the other big guy was David Snyder, who um, that's that's the Blade Runner guy. He was the production designer on Blade Runner. Right, and he was right. Adventure, um, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Demolition Man. Yeah. All yeah. movies that you can kind of go, you know, every one of those, you just like, yeah, yep, I can yeah. see that. I yep. can see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's funny. Like on the on the work print, it's just got temp music on it, and it's a lot of uh, Pee Wee. It's a lot of Danny Elfman's Pee Wee music as the oh, temp score. Interesting. So okay. Yeah. They they obviously like intentionally kind of wanted to get. It doesn't really feel like that movie, but they, I think they wanted some of that. Um, the tone of that, that weird energy in it. Yeah. Um, and then the cinematographer is um, the guy that shot. Uh, he didn't shoot the first Mad Max, but he shot the next two. He shot Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah. And the cinematographer, especially it comes, comes through, I don't know if it comes through on the DVD, but it's, it's a really nice looking movie. Um, especially, I mean, there's, there's a few sequences in particular that are just like, this looks way too good for this movie. Yeah. I mean, there definitely is like, it is kind of like that weird thing where it's like, you have these annoying, some scenes where like some people are doing annoying things, but like a really cool backdrop. And so it's like that, I think that to me is like the weird, the interesting cognitive dissonance that this kind of movie pr- produces in me. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, God, do I have to sit through this? <laughs> you know, like, you know, there's that happens sometimes with movies. And it's inter- it's an interesting thing. But at the same time, it is, like you said, it's mostly there is. I mean, there's obviously CGI was still in its infancy, infancy then. So, like, there is CGI in the movie. Um, yeah, I think there's actually I, supposedly some of the visual effects were pretty like uh, state of the art. Yeah, uh, I, I, that stuff has not aged nearly as well as the practical stuff because it was, you know, the very first times they were trying some of this stuff, but it yeah. looks okay. And none of it looks like laughable quite, but it's not, it's not the best sequences of the movie is the more, the more FX based ones. Yeah. It's not the worst 90s CGI. Like, I mean, if you have like, like look, Jurassic Park Terminator two at the top level, and then you have like, I don't know, you know, at the bottom, this is like somewhere in the middle there. It's, it's something sure. else. I try kind of, I'm trying to think of an example of the bottom. There's like some really bad 90s CGI. Like, like uh, from Mortal Kombat movie, for example, has a lot of really blatantly bad CGI in it. Even though it's like, again, it doesn't matter. It's Mortal Kombat piece of shit, but it's <laughs> it's just like, I mean, I gave a shit. I was I was obsessed with Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I mean, uh, as a kid, I you know, like God, um, and that movie was pro- I think was was a huge hit. I think it was the first successful box office successful version. Yeah, I mean, again, it was it was really like a long crawl to make that idea work because i mean you had you know stuff like um uh like double dragon oh god yeah street fighter the the street fighter movie which uh is is kind of a similar level of it's it's got its fans and it's like things that work but it's kind of a mess 
Um, but I mean, yeah, it's a very weird history of those, that, yeah. that particular thread of movies. And <laughs> yeah, again, like the, the, the part of me that just feels for this movie is just like, let's all cut some slack for the movie. That was the first one out of the gate, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, you know, I think the thing is though, like the thing that became sort of the, the thing that I noticed with a lot of video game movies, um, after this, uh, was that often it felt like the movie was just like a previously existing story that they just grafted this stuff onto. Oh, after, right. Yeah. What, like, uh, like the doom movie. Remember that doom movie with, with the rock? Yeah. In I mean, it? I, I definitely didn't watch it, but yeah. Yeah. God. Well, you know, doom is like one of the, is, you know, again, it's very, no, not really a story in the game. It's just like, you're on a space station killing demons or whatever on Mars or whatever. And, but like, that's a great premise, but the movie introduces all this other stuff about it's, there's no demons. It's just mutants or something, just generic mutants. And it's like, why not just go with this, this, the, the, the basic concept that is as, uh, as easy as a concept to transfer over into a movie as you can imagine. And it's just like, no, I guess they didn't want to do that. I don't know. It's just yeah. So yeah. I mean, it is a weird, I mean, like for that movie, like if you were making it, it's like your main instruction would be, you're going to have to have a POV shot. Like, you got to fill like, you know, at least 90 minutes. And that's basically like your main thing is like, just as a little nod, you're going to have to have a part where a guy's like, you know, walking, uh, yeah. Walking first person, path, like holding it, holding his gun out in front of him, Like, that's, yeah. So it's like, so that's one minute. Uh, good luck with the other 89. Bye. <laughs> exactly. 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 It's just, it's just insane. Like now, and we're, I mean, now we're at the point where video games actually do have a little bit of prestige now in the culture, a little bit. Um, sure. At least compared to what, how they were like, I mean, like, and then you have a show like the last of us, which is like, you know, huge, huge critical and yeah, audience super, hit. super renowned. And yeah, nobody, nobody's even really like apologizing for it. Anymore. I mean, I think people are definitely saying like pretty good for a video game thing, but not really like it's, but again, it, it's been a long journey from 1993 to where people can finally just go. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's based on a video game. That makes sense. Let's, let's, let's yeah. move on. Well, video games have obviously absorbed movies more because the technology has gotten bigger. You can do more cinematic stories and stuff like the last of us right. example is pretty much just a movie that you play. <laughs> I yeah, mean, exactly. Again, it's like, it's, it's pretty easy. Different yeah. Game. Like it's, it's not even really the same thing anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, so this particular team of people, I mean, you got a lot of really interesting guys who have worked on a lot of interesting yeah. movies. And I think at some point they were all kind of doing their own thing. I kind of got the impression that David Snyder, the production designer, who's, who's really like the superstar here. Yeah. Um, I mean, just in terms of like the, the groundwork that he's laying in this big space in Wilmington is, yeah. is you know, visually just out of control. Um I think that at some point he's kind of calling the shots. It seemed like, I think the cinematographer is calling the shots at some point. Yeah. So a lot of different energies going on. I think, again, it's like, I, I have a lot of patience for um, that kind of production design forward stuff. And for, I kind of like stuff that you could say is style over substance. Oh, sure. Yeah. Time. Yeah. It took me a long time to kind of go like, it's okay to just go. I like that. Like, cause it's always yeah. said derogatorily, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I like that this is just like unapologetically, like we've got some crazy stuff for you to look at. Um, we arguably don't have much else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wish it hung together a little bit better, but I did not regret watching it. It was kind of, cause for one thing, if anything, it's just an interesting time capsule thing. Cause like, I always like, yeah. 
you know, going back to seeing this movie, I haven't really seen in years since I was like a kid. And it's like, I mean, it's pretty much what I remembered, but there's some things I did not obviously notice the first time. And um, definitely just like the strangeness of it existing is, uh, and be, like I said, being the first of its kind really is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's, it's, it's all those influences. I mean, all that stuff's really interesting. Again, it seems odd that there were studio, multiple studios involved, including Disney. Yeah. And I mean, they were second guessing. Um, but the fact that this thing even got off the ground is a little like fascinating because like, yeah, Blade Runner, uh, beyond Thunderdome. Wait, no, just road, just first Mad Max probably would have been like the key influence and road warrior. Yeah. But, you know, that's like, yeah, that stuff's great. Does it make sense for a kid's movie based on this like colorful video game? Not really. Yeah. Uh, but again, I'm glad it happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a strange thing to exist in, in the real world. The, uh, the editor um, who edited T2. Yeah. Um, he had a quote where he was like, at some point, the uniqueness transcends good or bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's kind of exactly it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I always, I'm always a little wary to just like, I I think it's kind of good. I I, I think that the, all those weird energies, as much as they created chaos, I think it makes kind of like a push and pull that to me is kind of interesting just because, and the other other thing I always like is when a movie just makes its own lane. Like, (laughs) like it's like, you could do either this or this. And they're just like, nah, we're going way over there uh, for better or worse. Um, And it definitely does that where you're just like, again, you you can, you can list like 10 movies and kind of go, there's some bits and pieces of this movie and this movie and this movie. Yeah. But ultimately it has this weird thing going on. That's pretty, pretty distinct. Exactly. I'm glad it exists. I can't say I, I liked it exactly, but <laughs> I, I did enjoy looking at it and considering it as an object of the, <laughs> I guess that's the best way for how I, I approach it. Cause like, yeah, I'm like you, I actually do appreciate movies that really go for it with a, with a thing. Like, even if it's like not necessarily the most coherent hanging thing that hangs together. Right. You know, there's like always a room for weird messes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I feel like that. And I feel like when people are just like, Oh, this sucks. That's just, that's just like, that's just a com- It's just a t- conversation killer. It's like, okay, great. You don't like it. And it's just, but it's like it, but that's not the interesting thing about it, whether it's good or bad. It's like, this has got, this is, it's weird that this thing exists at all the way it does, <laughs> you know? Well, there's also an element of just like how, how far up its own ass is it? Yeah. And to me, it helps a lot. I, I, obviously it didn't work for everybody, but um, to me, it helps that this is, has a lot of really bold ideas, but it also never really takes itself too seriously. Like it's kind of having fun the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah. It reminds me a lot of Hudson Hawk. Yes. Um, yeah, just like the super weird, like goofy tone and the mix yeah. of like it's it's kind of supposed to be cool. Yeah, and it's also kind of supposed to be like kind of um, a goof on itself. Um, yeah, and Hudson Hawk was another one where I saw it and I was just oh like, I I, I, I have care what anyone says this is amazing. <laughs> I am genuinely fond of that movie. Like yeah. I mean, and and it's got a similar like the they they've got those similar like big tube guns in it. Yeah, and yeah, just I, I was a little older when I first saw that, but. I had the same kind of reaction where it was just like um, two, two like very distinct personalities just stomping around and like um, shooting like these big missile launcher guns. I was just like, I'm here for this. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can, I can never fault a movie that has like Richard E. Grant and Sarah yeah. Sandra Bernhardt just like completely hamming it up. Yeah, and being... they're they're like my favorite bad guys ever. They're they're kind of like the way that um that I think probably should have been the uh, you know uh, the Koopa. Fiona Shaw seems Fiona Shaw seems like she's having a lot of fun actually. But... Yeah, she's uh, she. I mean, she's actually like literally like putting it in commit committing to this like and like yeah but nobody commits like sandra bernhardt so those that that duo i think would have been kind of a good fit in terms of just like yeah um if you can't party with what they're doing in that movie then you're done like you might as well turn it off yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like, they're at, they're at 11 like from the first time they show up yeah yeah it's like she's yeah she, like sandra bernhardt's like going i've got the power you know, it's like it's yeah just, it's just... which was also the the power was the um the, that was the trailer um song for for mario <laughs> perfect the, the power the power was like a big push for the, yeah for the well i mean yeah well i think that probably comes from now you're playing with power which was the big yeah exactly nintendo which is the big nintendo slogan way back in the 80s and early 90s um because like i mean i remember i don't know if you remember i mean i was a kid um but you know i lived in germany as a kid i think i've told you this like i lived in germany because i was in, my dad was in the army and stuff yeah and so but we did not live on post so we could not have access to the american tv so my p- grandparents would send us, mail us tapes of American cartoons. Like oh, okay, yeah. Saturday, yeah, they would just tape some Saturday morning cartoons and, and TV and stuff and just send it to us. I mean, we would go on post to get, like, videos and stuff. But, like, uh, we were we were always... But but one of the things I remember was, like, seeing the advertisement for the uh, NES. And the thing is, when the NES first came out, they packaged it with this robot. Um I don't remember what the robot was called. But it was like this, it was like, because video games had kind of like after the Atari crash in the early eighties, like video games were kind of a hard sell to toy stores apparently. So they actually had to reintroduce the Nintendo, the introducing this new system, this Japanese system in America. And they put like this, so they packaged it with like this robot, which was like sort of connected to it. So like, it was like this wow, plastic. I, I don't think I remember this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, by, basically, the robot kind of fell by the wayside after, like, because like it didn't really do much. I think it just kind of mm-hmm. like it just sort of like. I don't even remember what it did. I think it might have like put the game into the cartridge, the cartridge into the system or something. It was just oh, like, nice. but it was basically just a Trojan horse to get it into toy stores. Right, right. You know, and and then and then of course Nintendo took off and became this iconic. But um, but yeah, it was just. But it was interesting. I don't know. That just brought back that memory, and I, I'm yeah, be, yeah, for sure. Because you know, the I will say this: '80s were the golden age of toy advertising to kids. Like, because like uh, once those Reagan re- regulations, once the, once re- uh, the Reagan deregulated all the uh, 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 you know restrictions of advertising towards children, right? Like, the car, the car, the the cartoon companies and the toy companies, they all just went insane. So they just like. So that's why I think our generation, especially, is just so tied to this stuff, has such emotional ties to these toys shit. And I think that's why we have a lot of the weird complexes we do about stuff, because we were just <laughs> saturated it from it in such a young age. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Everything was being just pumped out as like, here's the new big, exciting thing, which, again, I think kind of backfired on this particular movie. But uh, yeah. a certain segment of people, including myself, it was like it kind of found its target. But yeah, yeah. It, Hudson Hawk is um, uh, funnier and has a little bit more of like a 
yeah uh they knew what they were doing um, yeah but that's another one where just like i love it and it, it hurts my feelings to talk to people <laughs> that, that hate it you're just like oh you don't like that it's fun it's good you don't like it exactly i i, I have always loved that movie i always yeah it's, it's a lot of fun whenever i talk about this movie or kind of a similar just like super divisive one yeah um, i always i always think about that when i first watched that movie it was on one of those like um, movie hosting shows, um, like a really obscure one um, called Movie Lounge that had like puppets on it. Oh, weird. And, um, what channel it was, was it? Uh, what, was it on cable or something? I, yeah, I don't remember what it was on, but it was a guy. It was a guy that um, a guy that ended up doing like a bunch of like Adventure Time type stuff. Oh, OK, um, like he kind of went into cartoons instead, but he was hosting this with puppets. And a guy who was like the world expert on Hudson Hawk was like their guest and he showed it to them and ev- all the other guests just hated it. And we're just like, why would you dedicate your life to this movie? Cause it was a guy that like his whole thing was, he was taking Hudson Hawk around and like screening it to people to kind of be like, look at this movie that kind of like should have found its cult, but didn't. Uh, yeah. And they were just like, why would this be your, your passion? This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> every time I find myself talking too deep about Super Mario Brothers, I'm just like, oh, this is like that Hudson Hawk situation. Or if I'm talking about Hudson Hawk, because it's the exact same situation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I mean, I, well, yeah, at least you're at least on Hudson Hawk, you're not alone. I do appreciate it. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that it's it's built up a pretty big cult at this point. Yeah. And, and I mean, Mario's getting there. Um, like, it's one of the, I, 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 that's like a true cult movie, like before kind of everything was a cult movie because of the internet. Right. Like, that was a big part of it. It was the kind of like the public rejected it and so then it becomes this handshake thing right where um and i like i've got i've got a shirt um so there's this guy i'll plug this dude um yeah there's this guy who makes like reproductions of some of like the crazy merchandise that came out for the mario movie oh interesting Uh, he goes by campesino and you can find him on t public Okay. um and i've got a goomba shirt that's like kind of based on a goomba shirt that came out um contemporary to the movie yeah and again it's like a handshake thing like I'll, I'll go into public and there'll be dudes that are almost definitely my exact age almost probably within two weeks yeah <laughs> that, are just, that are just like uh, yeah you you get that turtles energy where people are just like oh man I, that's like my jam that movie yeah so, uh, that can be fun so it definitely has its cult but it's it's um yeah. You know, it's it's got a lot of uh, vitriol in its direction. Yeah, I, I mean, I, again, I don't get I, I get like, OK, this I don't care for this, but like the vitriol that some like messy, messy, weird movies that aren't like they're kind of like maybe not completely terrible, but but maybe not don't work exactly how people think they should or, or they're, it's just weird how people are so angry at seemingly angry at movies for existing sometimes, which is right. weird. For the most part, I feel like if people are actually mad, then it like must be at least interesting. Like it's yeah, yeah. It's yeah, cool. I, I usually if people get really mad at it, then it's like I at least want to watch it because it's like it's crossing some interesting wires. Yeah, there's no way it's playing it safe if people like want to burn it at the stake. Yeah. Uh, so for better or worse, it's making choices. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it's like you said about letting letting there be some room for just like crazy disaster dumpster fire. Sometimes is like. Well, that's that's what's kind of interesting sometimes just to see um, see people's personality come through in these messy, disastrous ways. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And like sometimes sometimes the movie did not deserve it at all. Sometimes it's actually, oh, this is actually good. Like I think Hudson, I mean, I haven't seen it in a while, but like Hudson Hawk has always been like I've always found it really funny. So it's like, yeah, for sure. There's some genuinely hilarious shit in that movie. And like 
yeah, it's, I feel, again, it is, like you said, it's like you always feel kind of alone with that, but that's kind of what makes a cult, I guess. Yeah. So like the, the cult of this movie, like the, the Hudson Hawk guy version of super Mario brothers is again, these guys at smbmovie.com um, who like, it's 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 kind of like i mean they've actually sort of like done very important things for this movie which is kind of wild and it's it's similar to that guy in the sense that it kind of seems like this is their whole thing yeah Um, and one of the things that they did was they talked to one of the 700 screenwriters on this oh wow and um and he had um going back to the sequel pitch at the end he had he said it was never very formalized but there were like kind of ideas on the table. Um, yeah. Like here's some stuff we might do um, if, if this works. Uh, and so they did a comic sequel that it's kind of on hi- hiatus, but it's a lot of fun just to look at just because it's got like a few ideas that supposedly oh, would have been on the table. Again, I, I think it was probably um, pretty sketchy in terms of uh, I, I think people saw the, the chip where the chips were falling pretty fast and didn't, I don't think anybody wrote a draft or anything. But, right, right, yeah. Um, they had some loose ideas that um, show up in this comic that may or may not continue in some form at some point. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, um, so that's kind of interesting to look at. And then the other big thing that they did was they dug up this work print that's got all the deleted scenes, including yeah. the terrible um, Iggy and Spike rap. <laughs> and they were basically dedicated for a while to getting like a proper Blu-ray out for this movie because it was kind yeah. of at that period where now they put out everything on on like super deluxe like yeah. you can get like the worst movie ever and it'll be yeah like on this super nice steel book uh yeah yeah like edition. like uh like what what's what's that company that puts out all those b movies and stuff like that it's like uh um, it's like not vinegar like, syndrome is well vinegar syndrome yeah. vinegar syndrome there's also another one i forget what they are but like they're kind of like they kind of like do like these almost criterion level like yeah yeah exactly so like this this the the blu-ray you can get for mario is mostly out of print but it was basically these guys that made that happen yeah just by like knocking on doors um and it's got a bunch of extra stuff like i I really enjoy i kind of dug through all the features and people are fairly candid in terms of how messy everything was and there's some really good stories um and and again it's 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 a really high quality visual movie if nothing else so it looks nice on like the i think this is like a 2k um yeah. edition oh cool but okay. it's from it's on it was on um second sight which i think yeah they they do a lot of like kind of forgotten b movie type stuff and the one i got which has the work print on it is from umbrella which is like an australian uh ah, okay. company so i had to like dig around a little bit to find it but it was it was easily it's out of print but it was easy to find um for like 20 bucks or something it's not on streaming anywhere it's like uh as far as i know um yeah i don't know for sure but i mean i i suspect that Nin- nintendo as becoming more of a powerful company since then has sort of not really doubled down on i, I don't even think they've embraced it in any kind of ironic way like oh no no <laughs> so nintendo I, nintendo yeah, yeah, Nintendo's kind of notoriously kind of like a stubborn, conservative, stick in the mud type of company. So like they uh, definitely are not like chomping at the bit to get this movie that was like kind of an embarrassment to them, at least as far yeah. as they, they were concerned, uh, back out in the public. Though, I mean, I, I have to believe like it, there is at least some enough interest in it having, I don't know, but it's like, it, I don't know. It, again, it might, it might just be Nintendo saying, 
no, <laughs> because it's because it doesn't fit their brand that they of Mario that this new approved movie certainly probably fits into or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if this new one, which seems like a lot of a safer way to go, yeah, um, if it's a huge success or if it just is kind of like people have their own personal thing with Mario and they don't really <laughs> they don't really want to go to the movie to have somebody else. I mean, there was already a lot of pushback on Chris Pratt doesn't feel like Mario to people that have grown up with Mario. Yeah. So I think, I, I think that's part of the big reaction to all of this stuff is, is um, this is something that people formed such a tight personal relationship with because it was like um, the first thing that they were sort of quietly doing in the corner while mom and dad were fighting or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they've, they've got their, they've got their own idea of how it needs to go. And it's, it's don't don't fuck with it um i i i mean i personally have no i do not care if it sticks to the thing or not to me it's just is it doing it interestingly or not and this quality aside of whether it's a good movie or not is definitely doing it interestingly (laughs) it's a a fascinating adaptation (laughs) yeah whether whether or not people like it like I, i think you'd have to at least acknowledge that it's a strange and unique uh thing to exist um and to and to be sort of ported over from any kind of previous property because it's not exactly in any way that makes any sense yeah yeah well i mean i the the i I remember i know that i know there's like since been like uh there's a tetris like the the story behind tetris coming to america kind of thing movie but uh about 10 or 12 years ago i remember there were there was some news literally and it sounded like a joke but it was not uh like literally there's some some producer was trying to get a tetris movie off the ground like, oh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like literally they were trying to do like a thing where it's like it's about an alien invasion so it's like blocks like they fighting blocks or something so it's like that's an interesting example as recent as 10 years ago that they were trying to tackle so i don't know yeah uh, i think like they, there's been some form of pac-man movie in development like since pac-man like it's like oh wow yeah it, it never quite goes away but it never happens because what what is it yeah Uh, so yeah i think it's just it's such a it's so appealing just the same way mario brothers was it's so appealing to studios because it's got this instant buzzword to it like they don't have to sell it it's like pac-man as a word sells it um but clearly so far they have not figured out (laughs) the secret that kind of think the 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 ship on the the interest in that has kind of sailed a little bit i mean at this point yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I I think that there's there's something exciting about having to reach that deep into the well to kind of go, you know, what if what if Pac Man was a secret agent, like, yeah, and just just try to make it all fit, um, which is what this movie obviously does a lot of, where it's just kind of, um, maybe uh, this element becomes this element in this context. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I really had a good time talking about this. I think we've pretty much covered what we can cover about it. <laughs> yeah. Was, there, I mean, there's really like a lot to unpack with it considering it's a movie that a lot of people, um, wish, wish didn't exist, but there, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, again, revisiting it was fun. Uh, again, I didn't, you know, I didn't like it, like it, I didn't like it really, but I did. <laughs> well, you know, exactly. But I can enjoy things I don't think are good. I mean, yeah. because they have other things that are good about them that are, yeah. you know, like, again, 
and I believe that like we covered, and it's just it's just really a shame that people don't often don't seem to have that capacity to be able to appreciate things. I mean, not, and not just in a sneering, ironic like ooh in a way. I mean, like literally mm-hmm. just just like ooh, this is interesting that this exists, you know? Right, right. There's yeah. there's there's something something going on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that stands alone. Yeah. Oh, the the, the pointless callback uh there's a sure. uh, uh frank welker um oh was, yeah yeah we, he came up um in one of our other movies we looked at yeah yeah oh he's like the creature effects so he does he does yoshi and i think some of the goomba noises yeah oh you could actually kind of always tell it's him he has a distinct yeah yeah he's he's got his sound but yeah he goes like, he's just he, yeah and he definitely is that guy who does that and he's still doing it isn't he like he's still yeah doing... yeah yeah he's, he's he's still pretty much the go-to guy for that that's insane. That guy's career. I, I wish I had that career. I mean, just like doing voices in a booth. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it gets exhausting, but at the same time, like, God, what a, what a, what a career path. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, just to have, um, again, making your own, your own lane, like he, he's doing a thing that there's not, there wasn't really even like a name for it. Yeah. But it was like, Oh yeah. It turns out almost every movie, um, needs like an undefinable uh like there's this thing and it needs to make some kind of noise yep <laughs> so it's like oh I'll, I'll be that guy get us welker <laughs> oh man uh well thanks again john uh as always yeah well, absolutely i'm i'm sorry that i uh, have so much to say about the super mario no movie. no 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 i i'm glad you do i have so i i, I have weird affection for it clearly no, yeah no i i i told, i i think you've I mean, I wouldn't say you've converted me to the movie's cause exactly, but again, I do appreciate that it is a, like we said, a weird thing that exists, and like that's always more interesting to me than like you know talking about something I didn't like that I just sat through. And like, no, it's it's. I mean, I I I there is like always something in there to contemplate. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. Would you say? Would you say top five UFO movies? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, again. The alien thread is very thin with this, but you yes. know, it's tech. It's def- definitely though a technically an alien movie. There's they men- they mention aliens a few times. Yeah, they they say they call they call literally call Mario and Luigi aliens. So yeah. and they're like, we're the aliens, Mario. I'm like, oh, or whatever. And so or or yeah, and uh, so yeah, there we go. I I I mean, again, that's the uh, beauty of the premise of this podcast is that it's extremely elastic. It can uh, cover a lot of different types of things and different types of movies and this is definitely uh, yeah <laughs> no, i don't know what to, how to... this is definitely a movie yeah it is definitely <laughs> a movie that i saw um <laughs> i think that's where we'll, we'll we'll keep we'll wrap it up if you have any constructive comments movie suggestions or stories of your own otherworldly sightings or encounters drop us a line at saucer cinema pod at gmail.com